Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Earlier today, Donald Trump reported that the FBI had seized his passports, even his expired passports, so more than one. And now many people are saying that uh, he's a flight risk, perhaps because he has a jet that says Trump on it. Hmm. It's a very large one indeed. So I wonder why they would think he would be a flight risk. So, um, yeah, that's the only reason I can imagine that they would do this. Now, apparently the DOJ is going to be releasing more information on the affidavit. We'll see where that goes. But uh, this is all indicative of they're probably going to criminally charge Trump. Earlier today, I was saying I didn't think it was going to happen. I still, perhaps due to normalcy bias, lean towards there's no way they could they could pull this off because it's actually it's getting Trump supporters fired up. But maybe they don't care. Maybe after this raid, it looks way too partisan. Maybe it backfired on them and their only opportunity now is to lean into it. So we'll see. Donald Trump has warned that something terrible is is going to happen to this country and he's offering to help lower tensions. I don't know if that will be enough or what this means, but the fact that Trump said it actually suggests to me it's worse than we probably realize when Trump is coming out saying things like this because I think he knows. And uh, we'll get into that. We also have Predict It. Ron DeSantis is now favored on Predict It to win. And I see a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, but Trump's leading in the polls. Predict It isn't a poll. It's people predicting, which means if you ask someone who they'd vote for, they might say Trump. If you ask someone who do they think will win, they're saying Ron DeSantis more than Trump, but it's still fairly, fairly it's still fairly close, according to Predict It. And it could be because people expect Trump to uh, be jammed up by the DOJ. So we'll get into all that stuff. Head over to TimCast.com, become a member, and you'll get access to our uncensored after hours show. Those go up Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. And I also want to announce in less than uh, next week, we are releasing our music video for the song Only Ever Wanted, performed by TimCast. We got Ian jamming some guitar. The song's almost entirely uh, engineered and produced by Carter Banks. So it's, mm. it's really, really phenomenal stuff. Uh, it's an original song that I wrote. Carter produced and turned into magic. We got Pete Parada on drums, formerly of The Offspring. Super excited about this. That should be going up next week. So you want to check that one out. And boy, am I glad that I lost weight before filming that music video. Thanks, Keto Elevate. Okay, that was an aside. Uh, smash the like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show if you really do like it. Joining us today to talk about the big news is Nick Cersei. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. I usually don't come back places. I'm glad to be back here for the second time. Oh, yeah, we got time doesn't happen. I just, uh, we've had enough of him. So. Yeah, so what do you do? I'm an actor and oh, a excellent. director and a, a producer and a husband and a father. And uh, that's about it. All right on. You got any, got any new movies that recently came out? Uh, Terror on the Prairie came out not long ago with the Daily Wire. Uh, awesome. was released in June and, uh, that's, that's out and ready to be viewed at your leisure. And I've got a movie coming out later in the year called The Old Way with Nicolas Cage. Ooh. Two westerns in one year. So. Right on, right on. And you, you were in that with, uh, Gina Carano. 
Yeah. Among, among others. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look forward to uh, talking about all the news, and we'll get into all the creative projects and stuff. Yeah. We also have Hannah Claire Brimelow. Hi, I'm Hannah Claire Brimelow. I'm a writer for TimCast.com. I'm also co-hosting Pop Culture Crisis this week in Mary's absence, so check that out at 3 p.m. Hi, everyone. Ian Crossland from iancrossland.net. Happy to be here. Nick, I also see you got a documentary behind you. I believe you produced that. Didn't you work That's on that right. as a That's right. I produced it, and I conducted some of the interviews. Capital Punishment. It's available at capitalpunishment.locals.com. It's about what really happened on January 6th and the aftermath that's that, that's oh, going on. For sure. I think this is just, I mean, forgiveness. And I've been talking a lot about pardons in general. Maybe we can talk about this later on the mm-hmm. show. But with Trump coming out, talking about the escalation, I think this is very topical. I'm glad you brought that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks, man. Hi, everyone. All right. I am also here in the corner pushing buttons. Love having Hannah Claire. Excuse me. Love having Nick back, for sure. I'm excited to get into the news. Let's get going. Here's the first big story from Newsweek. Donald Trump labeled a flight risk after saying FBI took his passports. Newsweek reports Trump wrote in a post on his Truth Social platform that the FBI stole the passports, one of which he said was expired during the search on August 8th. This is an assault on a political opponent at a level never seen before in our country. Third world, he wrote. Hmm. While Trump did not offer any details on why the FBI may have wanted the passports, some Twitter users suggested that it was because the ex-president was viewed as a flight risk. Attorney Seth Abramson wrote in a Twitter thread on Monday that if the news was true, the FBI is acknowledging what I've long said. This is a quote, which is that as a, as a factual matter, Trump is a flight risk. And I just got to point out, perhaps it was the giant 757 with Trump's name on it that made them concerned Trump might be able to leave the country. But I also want to add just very, very quickly as well for, for you guys, you know, people like Trump don't live the way we live. Mm-hmm. All right. Donald Trump does not need a passport. Donald Trump is a billionaire. Donald Trump makes a phone call. Actually, Donald Trump probably doesn't make a phone call. When he when he charters his flights, his people probably call the people of the country he's going to, and they don't need to verify Donald Trump's identity. And the amount of money that he has and investments in many of these countries, they're going to roll out the red carpet for him. People don't realize this stuff. So I'm wondering why this happened. And of course, there's some speculation, maybe that in the documents they grabbed, they didn't realize that a box had Trump's passports in it or something. But I'm just not giving the benefit of the doubt to the FBI. I think they took his passports. I think their only option now is to lean into, if you're going after the king, you can't miss. And so earlier today, I said I didn't think that they would indict him. With the information coming out now that they plan on releasing more information about these affidavits, I'm starting to lean the other direction. I think they, they might have no choice. But uh, again, man, I really don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? It bothers me that the DOJ is like, we oppose releasing the affidavit after they claim that they were going to promote transparency. I mean, you can't really have it both ways. They're citing national security concerns, but again, it seems like everything is lined up. They just don't want to admit what they're doing. And don't you have to be charged with something before you become a flight risk? I mean, they haven't really no, formally no, no, no. charged him with something. I mean, look... Uh, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a criminal lawyer. But I have watched Law and Order. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, then. <laughs> the I've best been legal education. I've been a lot of TV Give shows. Give yeah. straight. Exactly. No, I'm pretty sure you can be instructed not to leave mm. uh, during during an investigation. But they didn't even do that. But they didn't do that. Yeah. That's right, what I right, mean. Right. It's like there's – I don't know why, how you can declare somebody a flight risk if you haven't been charged with anything. What's he right running point. from? Yeah. But I – think he's just i mean trump said he was declared a flight risk right well no no people on social media are uh, saying this yeah. and, and this it's is just, so it was nothing formal it's just the fact that they are pre uh, they're oh, they prohibiting him from taken leaving it because that's mm-hmm. what they can't just, declare him one officially they're just taking right. away his ability to leave yeah. they're not really yeah 
Donald Trump can call Saudi Arabia and be like, listen, I'm coming in, roll out the red carpet, and they're, yeah. they're going to do it. They're like, sure. They're going to be like, bringing a very nice plane. It's mm-hmm. one of the best planes. Best plane. We'll get you on it. I'll get you drinks. <laughs> so, yeah. so the question is, this is what's tough. The FBI didn't announce criminal charges. They're going to be releasing more information. It's, they're saying that he's under a criminal investigation for obstruction of justice and the Espionage Act. So I would say, yeah, the FBI can't declare him, or, or maybe they can't formally seize his passports, so they just sort of took them. They accidentally yeah. took them in the raid. Yeah, oops. Who knows? Can't leave. We had no idea they were in that box that we specifically put them in. What is this obstruction of justice for what? I guess it's this January 6th. I don't know. The Espionage Act is related to the, the National Archives. Well, the withholding tra- of documents. It might be the classified document thing, right? Mm-hmm. That, that they say he has all these classified documents, which he says he declassified, which he could declassify. Simply and by so, saying it. Yeah, just by saying so, they're declassified. I watched a video earlier with uh, Comey talking with Hillary Clinton, just superimposed, juxtaposed to each other, where he's saying, we, you know, in her emails, we found 30 plus. Uh, 110. 110 yeah. classified pieces of information in her Gmail account. I think it was all in her Gmail account, saying it shouldn't have been in a Gmail account. It was on a private server a pri- in her house. You know, private Hillary Clinton server had 110 classified documents. Out of 30,000 public <sighs> records that she did not have the legal authority to destroy, so we'll keep, that she a, destroyed. keep that in mind. Her she had destroyed. classified documents yes. in her personal server, so let's just keep that in mind. I want to keep that in mind when we're looking, talking about Trump. And she's not a president. She, she was wasn't. Secretary of State, yeah. which does not have uh, unilateral declassification powers. Right. So here's what I try to explain to people. Imagine you're the president, and you're going to negotiate with uh, Gorbachev about nuclear armaments. And you sit down, and, and you say, look, we know you got missiles in Turkey. And you gotta move those. And then he goes, okay, well then what about your missiles that you have placed in, in, you know, around us? Oh, I can't talk about that. They're classified. Sorry, I have no idea. That's insane. <laughs> of course the president can decide to tell an enemy about our weapons. He's the right. commander in chief. He has to be able to negotiate that. Mm-hmm. It would be, it would be insane to us and be like, let me get back to you and see if I can get the bureaucrats to determine if I, the president, have the authority I mean, to negotiate armaments. That's what would be happening with Biden right now. I right. don't think that they are used to <laughs> yeah, that's what should You be can't let Biden. Biden make it. Biden probably doesn't know anything about right. the nuclear codes, but that's because they can't, you know, trust him and they're not willing to admit that. Where, I think you're totally right. There's no way for Trump to have been as an effective leader as he could, as he was without anything to negotiate with. It doesn't make any but, sense. But all presidents. All presidents. Every single one of them. Yeah. Now, again, I, I'm seeing these memes go around where it's, you know, it's like there was one meme of like a little girl and she's got like a shocked look on her face. And it's like, if you chanted lock her up over Hillary's emails and now you are defending Trump, let's just admit it was never really about the emails. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. 
Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. And then I just, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to respond on Facebook because I waste time trolling sometimes. <laughs> or I should say trolling. <laughs> and uh, I just responded with very matter of fact, sorted, politifact, uh, uh, several sources. So Hillary Clinton had 110 uh, confidential emails on a private server and they politely investigated and then said there was no intent. Have a nice day. Even though she's, she's she was secretary of state with no declassification power. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump, after Kevin Kleinsmith was sentenced to probation for fabricating evidence to justify spying on the president, you can't expect me to believe that Trump has done something wrong. No, the, the, the benefit of the doubt is gone and you need to prove you had a legitimate reason to do this. But still, Donald Trump as the president has broad declassification powers. So I just don't see anything here. Not to mention the, the, the warrant for the search of Trump's home said from the first day of his presidency, to the last day of his presidency, how is that constitutional? The Fourth Amendment, it prohibits, you know, unreasonable search and seizure. You need to be able to be like, we believe you have this document that says this thing mm-hmm. and we're going to prove it. Instead, they're just like, yeah, I'll take it all. Every single thing you got. And, yeah. and then an Epstein judge signed off on it. How about mm-hmm. that? I'm sorry. A judge who had been a lawyer defending right, right, Epstein's right. lieutenants. Totally right. want to make sure I'm being clear on that one because it's actually worse than it's saying so an Epstein. It's so much judge. worse. <laughs> yeah. So bad. I don't know but, Epstein had lieutenants. Who are they? Yeah, oh, my, wait, friend, know, yeah. my friend Larry Correa, who's an author, he said, if I would put that in a book, that the judge who signed this affidavit <laughs> worked for Epstein, it, people would say, oh, come on. It's the editors ridiculous. would reject it and be like, it's a little too much. Yeah. You can't, you can't do it. Yeah, I wouldn't ever. Well, yeah. there are so many outlets that are like, we're just going to skip reporting that. We don't want to mention it because it starts to sound as sketchy as it really is. Yeah. That's a really crazy story, right? It's all, you know, there's a, a, a bunch of viral memes. Viva Fry, I think, posted this. Of, it's a it's a mo, it's a montage yeah. or a, is it a, is it a mon, mural? Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a mural. Know. It's whatever. Mural. It's not really a mural, I guess. It's a <laughs> it's a montage of pictures. All of these verified individuals saying that they've gotten COVID and they're so grateful to be vaccinated and protected. Now, I'm not going to comment on the COVID nonsense. The CDC put out guidelines saying that their policies now for the unvaccinated and vaccinated are the same or whatever. I'm not here to comment on that. I'm here to comment on the identical posting of all of these people around the world makes me feel like there's like one guy behind all the accounts just copy and pasting everything. And then I saw that and I was (laughs) like, when you, when you, you, you guys ever see that video that Deadspin put together? Where all of the news anchors same. are saying the exact so same creepy. thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It just feels like that. It's like, is it? It really just feels like there's a machine. Like it's all fake. These people aren't real people. They're not saying real things. They're not having real thoughts. And there are world leaders who are of that, and there are news anchors who are of that, and that's freaky. The, yeah, I, there it is a machine, and people are being fed a narrative. But the the crazy part is it's not fake it's real people they're real people they're just allowing themselves to be changed by their superiors it reminds me of the phrase party line like when i'm researching stories to write for the site you know you'll see that ap news put out a story ap news does that a lot and then it gets picked up in 87 different places and there's no other original reporting into this so you just have the party line repeated over and over again the same statistics the same quotes the same perspective but because it's multiple outlets they're acting like oh yes we're all reporting this very important story that actually only one of us wrote it's why the theory that there's like one guy putting out the same post for every country like doesn't seem that crazy to me because they just copy what they're the other people are doing dead internet theory you mm. guys you guys know about that you know about that nick dead internet <laughs> theory the idea is that sometime around 2016 the internet basically became fake 
like almost all of the posts are made by AI and bots to manipulate public opinion and the average person doesn't really engage anymore. And uh, I don't know if I would believe that, but I would believe that mass censorship was enacted on such a scale that the average person has no voice and only a small percentage of approved people are actually posting. Mm-hmm. And that's that's pretty much reality. Yeah. Well, I'm so shadow banned. I mean, you know, I, I, my posts don't get very much penetration ever on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think we see it a lot that uh, when it comes to censorship, high profile people get censored periodically, but it's always the smaller accounts who get hit instantly without notice and without reason. It doesn't make sense. And I hear this from people when I go out and talk, you know, I'll meet some regular guy and I'll be like, I had a hundred followers and they banned me because I posted a news story. Mm-hmm. And who are you going to tell? What are you going to do about it? Right. So that kind of makes me feel like, you know, if we go back to when Elon Musk was trying to buy Twitter and now he apparently doesn't want to buy it, when that weird shift happened, and overnight, people associated with, like, libertarian, conservative, or independent all saw a massive, massive gain in subscribers, and the left saw a massive drop-off. Really does make you think the dead internet theory might be real, and we're just arguing with bots 24-7. The internet was what? DARPA tech? ARPA? ARPA? It was uh, military technology, basically. It's, it was, I think it's, it was created as a weapon, basically. Or as, like, it's going to get created, so let's create it first. And it was like... The a, internet? Yeah. And now it's being used, like... I mean, I was watching Jimmy, you know, Bright Insight. He does uh, research on, I don't know what his last name is, but Jimmy is his first name. His YouTube channel is Bright Insight. Talking about search results coming back. And, like, he would search, like, January 6th. And then he'd say 800 or 8 billion search results. Here you go. And every page he'd go to would be showing him the same results. It would be Wikipedia at the top, a certain January 6th page they want you to see. Then he'd go to, like, next page. Wikipedia at the top, the same article again mm-hmm. on the next page, next page, same thing. Mm-hmm. This is Google. And then he, he tried a different search engine. I think he used like DuckDuckGo and he was getting the same problem. So I think it's becoming very clear that the, the military is using it. If it's not the, the military, I don't know who, but someone is using the internet right now as a tool. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Greater than the masses that are also using it as a tool. It could be, that. it could be emergent in that special interest in corporations you know, for one reason or another, are pushing in this direction. You can say it's political. You can say it's criminal. You can say it's 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 capitalistic or whatever. But there's an incentive for Google and these companies to do what they do. I honestly think, you know, uh, I don't have, have you watched the Orville, like no. Seth, Seth, Seth MacFarlane's uh, space show? No, Start I'm up. not on it, so I don't watch shows that I'm not <laughs> yeah. on. Oh, okay. Oh, it makes I feel sense. like that's the opposite of what a lot of actors say. Like, I never watch my own movies. <laughs> the or- The Orville started as like comedy Star Trek. And they did a new season on Hulu, which is dead serious. Actually, I think it's really good. They had one episode where there's a planet of only men that are trying to force gender transition babies. And they're like, basically, people are smuggling little girls off. It's 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 crazy. But anyway, in one, in one of the later episodes, they talk about how when there's no currency anymore, because in their sci-fi future, they invented matter replicators like Star Trek. And so they're like, there's no more need for, for money or currency and so this person from a lesser developed world says, then why would anyone do anything? And one of the characters explains, you know, to, to do good for society. And then it got me thinking about where we are now in the United States and why people aren't working. Somehow people aren't working. Hmm. They have money. I don't know. You had that CNN news anchor who said that, uh, I can't remember her name, but she said she was quitting as part of the great resignation. And so I'm seeing something happen where all of these people are quitting their jobs announcing it on TV. And I'm like, you must have money where you don't need to work. How are people not working? Well, we heard with pilots, for instance, there's a shortage because they all retire. 
It seems like what we're seeing right now is what happens to a society when currency is not particularly valuable and survival is easy. Virtue becomes currency. So instead of trying to have cash and use cash to flaunt your your wealth, wealth is meaningless. Everybody's got air conditioning. Everybody's got clean drinking water. Everybody's got a hot shower. So what do you have to flaunt? Well, some people will get gold chains and some people will stand up on a pedestal and scream about how virtuous they are. One by one, more and more people start seeing virtue as wealth and virtue as currency, and you get hyperpolarization, cult-like behaviors from the, from, the, from the mass media, which ultimately leads to just societal breakdown, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, when I look at these sci-fi depictions of the future with no currency, and I'm like, they didn't see this one coming. What they predicted was everybody would be like, I'm going to make society better. But what they didn't predict was how does making society better manifest? It manifests with creepy weirdos talking about giving children sex changes and things like that. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they don't know what better is. Nobody does. Right. So, and it becomes subjective. It's exactly. like your idea of better is not the, the other guy's idea of better. So, and I think it's also some Atlas shrugged going on. You know, I think there's, there's some aspect to it. It's like if you're not going to get ahead, if what you're working for suddenly is meaningless and the money doesn't mean what it used to mean, then why are you going to put forth all that effort? Why are you going to work that hard when you don't have to? I'll give you a really good example. Timcast.com. Uh, I always talk about how we started this not because of money. It's, it's like I started making videos because I care about something. Everything has become mission driven. When I was working for that ABC News joint venture, Fusion, they said the future is mission driven storytelling. Now, in their minds, it was going to make them money. And then, uh, you know, like people will click on it. It'll work. And that's a capitalistic way to view it. Ultimately, it goes insane, becomes woke because woke is the safest path for a lot of these people. For for us here, you know, the people who are working here at Timcast are doing it because we believe in what we're doing and we want to do something good. It's very much like virtue based currency. Now, obviously, you need hard currency so people can eat food and pay rent and all that stuff. But I think, you know, for, for better or for worse, you're going to have a society built upon who is actually doing good, who thinks they're doing good, and who is doing bad, but tr- like, but thinking they're doing good, how that will end up playing out. There's no guarantee anyone wins, but I can say cheaters win, man. You know, as much as people want to rag on cheating, if you cheat and you don't get caught, if there's, if there's a hundred people racing and someone cheats, they're going to win. I mean, you look at, you look at these, uh, uh, you know, blood doping. You look at uh, the, the Tour de France. Who was it? Was Lance Armstrong accused of? of I, I don't want to accuse him because I don't know the full details. But cheaters win, and they win for a long time, and they get all the glory and stuff. So Just look at professional wrestling. They've been winning for years, the cheaters. Mm-hmm. Those right. Deals. That's right. I mean, <laughs> allowing someone to take a chair from the stands and use it? it should be ba- right. Chairs should be banned from those arenas. And the refs, right. the refs not looking. That's and the, right. And then we, we all see it happen. That's right. <laughs> I think once you get a certain amount of cheaters in society that they start cheating each other and you start to see a more value of honesty there's this weird simulation i wish i could remember what it was called anyway i, I don't want to go too deeply into it but it shows you like it would give you like what if you have 99 percent honest people and one percent cheaters well the cheaters actually win in those situations I've they win they win in all situations not unless there's cheaters if it's 99 percent cheaters they tend to cannibalize themselves and that's then true. you find virtue coming out it's hard of for it. them to win against one another right. yeah, that's a good point actually but it's also who gets to define cheating you know, if if you have the government that says cheating is actually fair, you know, th- which is what you have in California, you know, you you can't get those people out of audience out of out of office because you can't vote them out. 
It's not well, possible. Well, it's like changing the definition of inflation, right? But, right? but 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 we'll clarify that. I think you can vote them out. The problem is you've got a zombie cult. You've got like imagine this. If everybody woke up at the same time and in California and voted, then yes, those politicians would be gone. The problem is these people believe the lies from the media and there's no convincing them. Like you can show them every article article in the world that that Russia Gate was a lie, Ukraine Gate was a lie. These people still believe Justice Smollett. These people believe the nuclear document story that just came out. There was no evidence. Washington Post cited anonymous sources familiar with what the agents were looking for. And that was fact, responsible, mm-hmm. factual reporting. How do you convince someone if, if they keep believing all this stuff after lie, after lie, after lie to do something else? You, you, you don't do it. I mean, I don't know how you do it. Well, there's a lot of those people, but there's also a lot of other people in California. There's a lot of people like me that, that don't believe that stuff. And I'm telling you right now. I think Newsom was recalled, but mm. the way they structured it, the, the mail-in ballots and everything they did, look what they just did with Gascon. But they disallowed over 200,000 votes out of the 200,000 signatures out of the 715,000. They just disallowed those so that the recall didn't work. So, now, so in the, we'll definitely get into that story for sure. Yeah, the, the recall. They've said that uh, like 88,000 were not registered voters. They, you know, they said, and then we have to verify those things. But the issue I take with the, like, it's too defeatist for me, man. It's, it's, it's frustratingly defeatist. You, you've got right now a historical defeat that's, that's supposed to be coming in the midterms. And every time someone comes out and says, no, you can't win, like then people give up and then they don't vote. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy when in reality, Donald Trump won and they were, and and it caused such chaos and tumult twice for the establishment that it's 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 brutal chaos. So no, I disagree. Uh, the thing is, though, no, not, like look, he, he won in 2016 pretty handedly, and and we saw and time. I'm not news. really. It wasn't. You're right. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a landslide. Eighty-eight thousand votes in between that three was like states. A shoestring. And that, but and that's that just got, because they didn't steal enough. I mean, that's what they. That's why they were so mad in 2016. I, is they thought they'd stolen enough. I really don't think so. I I, I, I think it, they wouldn't have run Hillary Clinton, who's who, like, she thought it was her turn. They think they're invincible, and they lost. And and and, and I think it's it, quite honestly, I think it's kind of insane to think that Donald Trump actually wins. They have to use the full force of the force of the DOJ to go after him to jam him up. But then this idea is that Trump secretly won the whole time. I really they're they're going after Trump with the DOJ because they have no idea how to stop him from winning. If it was true that they could cheat in the elections, they would not be in going after Trump. They would not be raiding his house. They would not be taking his passports. They'd sit back and laugh because they're the cabal. But the reality is Trump got 74 million votes. He got 12 million more votes than last time. Now, I certainly think we can take a look at 2020 because, uh, you know, I've seen all the stuff that came out in 2000 mules, and I think there are questions for sure. But the reality is COVID lockdown, sports are gone, movies are gone. And then I get to watch all of my, my skateboard friends who don't know what Supreme Court justice even means post videos of themselves dropping mail-in ballots for Joe Biden. And then what happens is Donald Trump comes out a month later telling everybody that's not actually why he lost, and then they lose the Senate because of it. Trump won in 2016. Trump and the, uh, the Republicans in the establishment mm-hmm. in many states 
voted to change rules that heavily favored Democrats, whether they realized it or not. Probably a lot of them realized it was going to happen. Now they have to use the FBI and the DOJ to go after Trump because he will win in 2024 unless they weaponize the DOJ against them because they don't have control of the election system. See, I disagree because they're going at they're not just going after Trump. They're going after everybody who supports Trump, which proves their desperation and inability to control an election. No, which proves that they that's part of the cheating. They're trying to neutralize all the people that do support if Trump. They, if they could cheat, why would they need to go after Trump's support, and why would they need to try and indict him? Because they cheated in 2016, and it wasn't enough. And they know now that, that it's no, even that, worse. That makes no sense. It makes perfect sense to me. They lost in 2016. Then they sent Russiagate after Trump. They sent Ukraine Gate after Trump. They made up lie after lie in the media over and over and over again. And, and, Tim, and that worked. But, Tim, you just said Trump got 12 million more votes. That's right. In 2020 than and he got Joe in Biden 2016. Got more. You don't think that that happened because they cheated. I There's no way not. that Joe Biden got 81 million votes. You're wrong. There's no way. He got 20 see, million see, vo- more votes than Obama. That's right. <laughs> did, did Obama have a pandemic? Before Obama, did they shut down movies? Did but they the shut pandemic down allowed them to do the mail-in ballots. And mail-in ballots gives huge advantages to Democrat to urban centers, regardless of anything else. So if your argument is that it was cheating to change the election system, like in Pennsylvania, by implementing universal mail-in voting, I understand your point. The issue I take is when people started claiming like uh, uh, widespread fraud and things like that. And the issue with it is they didn't need widespread fraud. They needed fraud in six counties. So if, so to clarify then, that is what I refer to with the idea of widespread fraud. The issue is it's extremely easy for Democrats in six counties to spend tons of money to go door to door and say, fill that out, put it in the box right there. Did you do it? I'll wait. Republicans can't do that. When that happens... It is extremely easy when you've taken away people's jobs, when you've taken away their entertainment, when you've blamed Trump the entire time, when Donald Trump started doing pressers nightly, CNN and all these other outlets, immediately they canceled uh, showing his live events because it was improving his ratings. The whole goal was to manipulate people into voting in their direction. It is, it is, I I am honestly, uh, is flab, I'm flabbergasted at the idea that Trump did win in 2016, but people still think they cheated, which I don't understand. He won. He literally won. They've been cheating for decades, Tim. But they it, didn't but just what do you start in 2016. Cheating? I'm talking fraud, voter fraud. They've been stuffing ballots. They've been fine. Look at what does, happened with the Minnesota Senate race with Al Franken. Trump is evidence what, to the contrary. What happened with Al Franken in Minnesota? Well, they they kept finding more votes. That's how Al Franken got in the first time. It's like he lost. And then they said, oh, we found these 500 votes that were in the back of a church, or they found something in the back of a car. They found enough votes. And they've been doing this for, for years. They, they've they been doing it since Kennedy Nixon. I think it's not out of the ballpark to suggest that it's it's definitely possible that people have been cheating voting systems since the dawn of man. But without hard evidence, it's impossible to make valid claims I just and, and it's people that cheat are very good at hiding the evidence, which is you know so that's it's, why it's good even, criminals it's don't that. get caught. I'll tell you I'll tell you what bugs me is there's there's a lot of stuff that came out in 2020 that uh, was was easily proven false and it and it's and it's frustrating the the there was that um, that that video of ballots being pulled out from under tables 
And it was just like, if you watch the actual security footage, you watch them take bouts and put them in boxes and put them under the table. And then you watch for several hours, they pull them out and then they start counting all at the same time. And I'm like, those bouts came in the same, like normally. And people were like posting these memes claiming that the bouts came out of nowhere from under the table. And I'm like, watch the full video, please. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But what's really frustrating is, for one, I fully support an inquiry and investigation into all of the elections, every single one of them. After after a year and a half, there's nothing to show for it. I mean, I've had multiple people on to talk about this over and over again, and it's surprising to me that despite causing the defeat of Republicans in the Senate. Republicans kill, still keep saying over and over again that they can't win. It's like, bro, November is in three months. You need to be telling people the opposite. You need to be telling them you can win. You're going to win. Make sure you get every single one of your friends out to go vote. Instead, you've got people coming out being like, what's the point? You're going to lose anyway. That, that, that to me is insane. I'm not saying you can't win. I'm saying they che- they're going to cheat. You I mean, have to overcome the cheating. I and think- you have to find it whenever you, you but can. How come they have, how come they've only found uh, they, they, they found circumstance or uh, they, they found questionable matters. What happened to the Arizona audit? What's, what's going on? Like, we, we actually have those guys go down and do that full thing. We had constant talk about it's coming next week. It's coming next week. Look, I have no problem if an, an audit actually happens and they find evidence of something. By all means, please bring it out. But to me, it is just it is just insane that this line of thinking destroys the ability of Republicans to win. And after a year and a half of constant talk, there's been literally nothing. What you just said, if an audit actually happens, it hasn't actually happened. So the Arizona thing with all the color coordination and the big tables and the, and the millions of dollars wasn't an audit. And I don't look, know what it was. I think, look, I think Trump supporters have wishful thinking that they can't believe that outside their bubble, people hated Donald Trump. Like they, they haven't gone to a city and seen Trump derangement syndrome. I've seen Trump derangements in such a degree. I can genuinely believe that, as I said to Steve Bannon, when I see a guy that has never uttered the word politics in his life, film himself holding his mail-in ballot and walk to a mailbox while saying, it's time to do what's right and vote. And I'm like, this guy doesn't know who Ruth Bader Ginsburg is. He doesn't even know what the phrase Supreme Court justice means. And somehow he went out and voted. I'll tell you why. They dumped tons of sand into the skate park so he couldn't skate anymore. And when he showed up, they said, it's because Donald Trump start, caused, uh, failed to address the pandemic. When you, when, when every facet of your life is shut down and the media tells you it's Trump's fault, they, there's nothing left to do. People are bored. They have nothing. They I find was in California signal. when they dumped the sand into the pits out there. It, it, they didn't, I mean, they, they, everybody knew that was Newsom doing that. 
But people, when, when they go and they look to the TV, and, I, and obviously I'm speaking in generalities and I say everybody. Obviously the people who hate Newsom, they're Republicans. Republicans weren't going to blame Trump for this. But my normie friends who have no idea what's going on, they don't know who Newsom is. They've never heard the word Newsom before. They turn on the TV and they're like, because of Donald Trump, the pandemic is worse. And they're going, dude, I just want to escape, man. And then along come the Democrats knocking on the door being like, well, then you better go vote for Biden because if Trump stays in, you're never skating again. And they film themselves doing this stuff. Well, I'm, hell, I'm, that's more defeatist than me saying that the, the cheating, if everybody's that stupid, then there really is no hope. Well, there is. It is doing shows like this. It is telling people to go and tell their friends. It is telling their, telling people to go and share as many videos as possible. It's telling people to engage in polite discourse and be careful about how you address people who are in the cult. And it's about telling people definitively Trump won the first time in 2016 because they were arrogant and they were laughing about how Trump could never win. And then he did. And then they went nuts in the other direction saying Trump will win. Trump will win. And then they, they were able, they managed to get these votes. I don't think uh, Joe Biden mustered the votes. I think Donald Trump got votes against him. I think Donald Trump was anti-elected. I think what happens is you take away movies, sports, you take away events. Every every major venue was shut down. All the big, for me, all the skateboard companies were like, all of, everything's closed. Businesses were destroyed. And what do they do? They turn on MSNBC, ABC, NBC, CNN, who all say one thing, it's Trump's fault. You have to imagine that will work. And if that messaging is happening and we're moving, we're moving, we immediately went from that into the special election in Georgia. They even showed on like CNN, a guy outside uh, a voting, a voting uh, station, polling station saying, I'm not going to vote because they cheated anyway. And then I'm like, there it is. Thanks to this narrative, you've just, you've just suppressed your own vote. And sure enough, Democrats got 50-50 in the Senate. I, I think there's nefarious BS that happens at the, at the highest level of politics. I think these people play dirty games all day and night. I think there's trading tit for tat for rule changes. The Pennsylvania Republicans did, did, a, did a deal with the Democrats to implement universal mail-in voting because they thought eliminating the down-ballot vote would benefit Republicans, not realizing universal mail-in voting would basically destroy their chances of winning, either because they hated Trump, they wanted to cut a deal, or they were just really dumb. But that literally happened. Democrats won in Pennsylvania because of universal mail-in voting because Republicans in October of, 20, uh, of, of 2019 agreed to it through a formal process. It was challenged. The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania recently upheld the constitutionality, which I think is wrong. You can argue their ruling was incorrect. You can argue that's cheating. I hear you. But I just think it's important to clarify because we're three months out for, from the November midterm election, and I am really, mm. really trying to make sure that everybody has the full charge, storm into battle mentality of getting all of their friends going out and proving that they can win. Do you think there's a significant part of the Republican Party that is part of the swamp that hates Trump? I think that's that most hates, of them. That's most of them. Most of them. That's right. Which is so why that's the, why some of the Republicans have agreed to some of the things that you, you're talking about. But I think it's important to clarify what cheating is. Right. Because there are people who think there's servers in Venezuela. There are people who think that the ballots weren't real ballots in the first place, like they came from China and things like that. And that was the big narrative after the election, the narrative. So, you know, clarifying what it means when Time magazine publishes an article called The Shadow Campaign to uh, to to save the election and they literally call it a conspiracy. I'm like, OK, if you want to say it's rigged because of the Time magazine article, I, I get it for sure. 
But I think it's important to say that there are establishment uh, policies and procedures that negatively impact the the populist left and right uh, chances for winning. I think that powerful elites in both parties desperately want to stop Trump, and they're cutting deals to change policy and procedure that negatively impact the chance for Trump supporters to get in. And then you take a look at uh, what's been going on, and I think right now in the past several months with the primaries— with the Trump America first uh, candidates winning across the board. Like it, I think this shows outright you can win that you should not be holding on to these ideas uh, uh, of they're going to cheat or whatever. It's like whatever is going to happen, you just need to get all of your friends and go vote whatever you think can happen. But I just want to stress, I think the fact that we just saw Carrie Lake win and it was an, it was a nail biter because at the, at the, you know, at night she was down and I was like, come on. And then she wins sweeping the entire state. It's no surprise Maricopa was almost going the other direction because it's very it's very urban liberal. It's very, you know, Democrat leaning. But she ends up sweeping across the board. Joe Kent wins. All of these Trump MAGA candidates are winning. If the party really had the power to stop them, these guys would not be winning. If Trump could win in the first place, they wouldn't, uh, if, if, then it proves he can win. And I'll stress it again. They are trying to, it appears, indict Donald Trump because they can't stop him from winning. So that, that, that I'll, I'll leave it at that because I don't want to just keep ranting every every time someone comes up with this. It's like we have to go into a full like tirade uh, explaining, you know, my, my views on this. But it's primarily because November, it, the election is less than three months away and everybody needs to have in their hearts. You can win. I, I do not. I do not believe it is. It is. I, I don't believe that narrative. You well, can, I hope you're right. I don't agree with you, but I hope you're right. Harry Lake just won. Something I mean, that comes up. Amazing. No, that's great. The that's problem, great. like, I, it's not going to stop me from voting. I'm still going to vote is when that there's a corporation called Dominion or whatever you want to call these different corporations that tally the votes on their mechanical, on their digital machines behind the scenes. The problem that people make is when they come out and they say they cheated because you don't know they're doing it in secret. So you don't know if they're cheating or if they're working honestly. The problem for me is the not knowing. I think that that needs to be transparent so we can verify whether it was accurate or inaccurate. I agree. I, I, I think this is the most important point. Dominion should, should not be, our, our voting machines should be all open source, yeah. publicly available. Ian is and why aren't correct. they? Well, that's a, it's a rabbit hole that we could definitely ponder on, yeah. you know. It's a favorite topic for Ian. It's crazy to <laughs> think, but, good question. I mean, but, it, but it's, it's the, it's the most important thing said of anything pertaining to any of this. At the end of the day, regardless of what you think about the election, what needs to happen is, we need to have sweeping reform on our election systems that if we're going to go electronic, the source code has to be publicly viewable and very easy, very easily accessible. Mm-hmm. And even then, let's let's be real. Who's going to understand the source code? But this means everyone will be allowed. So there's equal playing field. Every political party can hire their tech specialist to review it. That's what needs to happen. Or paper ballots. But with the entire Democrat Party and half the Republican Party opposed to that, how do you think that's ever going to happen? I mean, I think that the Republican Party knows their base likes Trump. I mean, it's impossible. Think about Wyoming's coming up this week. Liz Cheney is trailing Harriet Hagman like there's no tomorrow. I mean, like, there is no recovering from that. I mean, it would really take a very serious landslide. Even with uh, there are 
like rumors that there'll be Democrats who will vote in their primary. It's not enough. It's a Republican held state. Uh, I think that even though there are parts of the party that don't support Trump, they have seen the tides turn. I mean, it's almost impossible to deny that Trump's popularity is solid and they risk their own seats by trying to ally themselves with a narrative that's losing with their voters. Wyoming is the number one Trump supporting state. Mm, yeah. So I don't even know if they have enough Democrats to actually swing this election. <laughs> they no, do I not. Think so. Yeah. <laughs> but there, there was a poll showing Democrats were planning on right. uh, sure. voting for Liz Cheney. From I the think, University of Wyoming, yeah. I think what we need to realize about our election system is that the whole thing, elections are not as simple as someone walks up, signs a ballot, hands it in, and then we cross our fingers, we got the votes. This is not high school. There are backroom deals. There's gerrymandering. There's parliamentarianism. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into this. The, the redistricting of states. It's like, it's, it's, hey, elections have consequences. Based on the census, which they admit they get wrong. I mean, it's just crazy. So, so the, the, the reality of it is when, uh, in Pennsylvania is the best example. They changed the voting law so, to implement universal mail-in voting, seemingly in violation of their own constitution. And we had Sean Parnell on talking about this, that they actually initially, they changed the language of the bill they were going to introduce because they realized it violated the Constitution. A lower court actually agreed with them and said, we think this will be found, you know, sustained on the merits. And then ultimately got thrown out for standing just before 2020. Then it was found uh, earlier this year to be unconstitutional. The voting system, universal mail-in voting in Pennsylvania was deemed by a lower court unconstitutional. The, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, I believe it was the Supreme Court, just upheld it as constitutional, saying nothing in the, in the Pennsylvania Constitution forbids universal mail-in voting. That's an argument to make in court. The Constitution says absentee ballots must be for these reasons. And their argument is mail-in voting and absentee are not the same thing. Hmm. Okay, okay, well, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. But this went through a legal process, and now we've got a very serious problem in this country as it pertains to Pennsylvania, but that finally made it through. It's going to be interesting. I think one thing that needs to happen is Republicans need to realize it's an uphill battle with mail-in voting. And uh, if, if that's the case, y'all better start driving to all of your friends' houses as soon as, as, soon as early voting starts. Because the Democrats, this is, this is what I try, I try to explain to people. In one unit in Manhattan, you might have 1,000 voters, one building, and, and, and two people can knock on all of those doors in a day. And they knock on the door, and there's an answer, and they say, you got your mail-in ballot, it's right there, why don't you fill it out? All you got to do is put it right here in the mailbox by your door, and the mailman will come take it. Or you just throw it under your floor or drop it downstairs in your mailbox, mailman will come and take it, you don't got to do anything. That works. If a Republican wants to do that, they got to drive yeah. in a rural area, what, you know, a quarter of a mile, every every house they go to to get one or two voters. So this is why I think universal mail-in voting was entirely negotiated by Democrats to benefit themselves. You can argue the Republicans in Pennsylvania sold out Trump because they hated him, but they got a, they got a deal too. They they had that down ballot thing where people in Pennsylvania could just vote Democrat and it would give all the Democrats their vote. Republicans thought by taking that away, they'd end up winning smaller races, not realizing they were sacrificing basically winning ever again. But let's advance from this topic so I don't just beat a dead horse because we do have this story from the South China Morning Post. Civil war and dirty bombs. FBI and U.S. Department of Homeland Security on alert for threats 
after raid on Trump home. U.S. law enforcement agencies prepare for potentially violent fallout from FBI raid on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. FBI and DHS identify multiple articulated threats and calls for the targeted killing of judicial, law enforcement, and government officials. Yo, there's a, there's another story from Axios that goes along with it that um, I don't even know if I can start getting into because the language used by this guy is so egregious. Pennsylvania man arrested for threatening slaughter FBI. This is... What? This, I don't know. You guys ready to drink? Civil War? Oh, my. So I said it the first time in the title of the South China Morning Post article, but I'll tell you this. While the FBI is claiming there are these very real threats and that there's, there's con- they're concerned about them, Jane's Revenge has admitted to engaging in terrorism. They've taken credit for this. Mm. And where's the FBI? I'll tell you where it is. No, it's just Marjorie Taylor Greene trying to get them declared a uh, domestic terrorist organization. I mean, the yeah, FBI is not her. just it's literally her. I mean, I'm sure she has support in Congress, but like no one is taking action against James Revenge. Remember when like re- when you're reading the headline, they're like they're threatening uh, government officials. Do you remember when that guy showed up at Brett Kavanaugh's house? I mean, they're acting like, you know, violence is one sided, which it really is not in this country. And obviously, I think. Most threats come from extremists that don't represent the majority of people on either side of the spectrum. But this is this is very bizarre. But we forget that it's double sided. I, I think it's actually simple. If you're the FBI and you're raiding Donald Trump, the right is very mad at you. If you're the FBI and you're investigating Trump for Russiagate, the right is very mad at you. And so imagine you're sitting in your chair. And you're, uh, you know, reading the news and all of a sudden Antifa is just screaming, they hate you, you're evil, you're corrupt. And then people on the right are not really saying a whole lot. You'd be like, man, these guys are crazy over here. They won't stop talking about how they want to do evil stuff. This is what the FBI is basically doing. For one, they're, I mean, this is an example of their overt political bias. They engage in weaponized politicking, going after Trump for Russiagate, clearly fake. The FBI, uh, uh, Kevin Kleinsmith, I think, I believe his name was altered an email fabricating evidence to justify spying on the Trump campaign. Mm-hmm. Then Trump supporters get mad at the FBI, say you're all corrupt. Then a bunch of other FBI agents who are not involved and don't know that this corruption is occurring just think the Trump supporters are crazy because, hey, I didn't do anything wrong. Then the FBI starts pointing at the people who are pointing at them, and they're completely ignoring Antifa on the far left. And cherry on top, they're getting all their news from the corporate press who's been actively defending, you know, Antifa and the left to a great degree, not all the time, but to a great degree. So it's not so much, I would say that you need to be concerned about a conspiracy, but an emergent phenomenon where these are the things that are causing the FBI to be inflamed, like to target Trump supporters on the right. Well, they've drummed out over the years. They've gotten rid of the people in the FBI that were there, that were not willing to do this kind of thing to demonize people that support Trump. This is part of just demonizing anybody that disagrees with the powers that be. And that's what they've been doing since January 6th. It's what they, they, that's why they've been terrorizing American citizens who just went to Washington on January 6th and waved flags. And that's why when you have an actual person who is camped outside of Brett Kavanaugh's house and is going to kill him, that mentioned for a couple of days, but then they make these sweeping pronouncements about all these threats. It's the same thing as when they declared all the parents that went to school board meetings as potential domestic terrorists. Everything, Everybody that disagrees with the uh, weaponized FBI, with, with, you know, the government's, the FBI has become our Stasi now. 
They are just investigating people who they consider to be enemies of the administration, enemies of the government, people who disagree. Why aren't they going? Why do you think they're just not going after uh, Jane's Revenge or the left? I mean, maybe they are. They just don't care. They, I, I, they absolutely don't care. They they agree with Jane's Revenge. They're yeah. not going to investigate them. Just like they, you know, the BLM and Antifa riots in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. They didn't do. They didn't treat those people the way they're treating the January six people. So we we've talked about something a bit in the past couple of weeks that. Um, if Joe Biden were to pardon all of the January 6 people, that he, his popularity would spike. Democrats would start cheering and clapping about how gracious they are. And Trump supporters wouldn't have much to say other than, well, that was the right thing to do. Thank you for doing it. Do you well, think the, that, sorry, go ahead. they can't do that? The Biden would never, ever do that. And but, I don't think his Democrat base would cheer that. They would be furious. I disagree. They, 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 they don't care for lot, moral logic. They care for winning. And if Joe Biden does something, they'll say, we are good people. While Donald Trump was chanting, lock him up, we are doing the right thing and, and reaching out an olive branch because we are honorable. That's, of course, what they would do. I don't think so. I don't think you understand how deeply they hate people like me. I think that, like, I, I, I do, but I think they, they care more about they wouldn't want to claim, de, claim defeat. If, if Joe Biden came out and said, look, tensions have gotten way beyond our control in this country. We need a sign of good faith. You know, and then he says something like, what these men, these people did on January 6th did was wrong. However, the continued prosecution is only ripping this country apart and we need to find a path towards, you know, clemency and, you know, commutation for these individuals so that we can learn to heal as a nation. I think the left would absolutely have no choice, the Democrats, but to agree with Biden. Otherwise, they'd be claiming defeat and they're not going to do that. They're not going to admit they're wrong. They're going to say, see, we were the good guys the whole time. It's Trump who's bad and we're honorable. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And then Trump supporters could only say, well, that was the right thing to do. Thank you, Joe Biden. Some might be like, it's political. It's a political move. But it would be such a tremendous and gracious move. You'd have no choice but to be like, well, okay, all right, you know. That's the most outlandish alternate universe I've ever heard of. You you think the Democrats would be angry? Absolutely. They're they bloodthirsty. They want everybody in jail. They want everybody that went to Washington on January 6th in jail forever. I, 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 I agree. But my point is that when faced with having to admit that their guy betrayed what they truly wanted, they're more about virtue signaling. They wouldn't throw Biden under the bus. Biden is is implementing policy that's damaging to our, our energy sector, and they claim the opposite. They, it's like Biden literally 
is enacting policy that causes gas prices to go up. And they come out and they say, Biden can't control gas prices. Then when it comes down, they're like, Biden did that. Mm. Mm. There's no moral consistency. Whatever Biden does is good. And they were right and just. So that's why, uh, you know, and look, and look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to argue that it's absolutely true. I'm just trying to get your thoughts on it because, you know, one of the things that we're bringing up is how do we deescalate tensions? Is that one of the ways we do it? Right. Biden coming out and just being like, the only way to simmer things down is to is to pardon these guys. Well, he's never going to do that. But I, yeah, I agree with you that if he did, that might work. But I, I don't see that. Sometimes, I don't see anything like that happening. Sometimes I think if he were to do that, it's the only way the Democrats would admit that he is like in early stages of dementia or maybe not early stages. <laughs> yeah. Because then they would be like, see, he's really not in a position to be doing this. Like, I think you're right. It would be extremely difficult for a huge section of the Democratic Party to justify this to themselves. I think Tim's right. There would be some who would be like, well, because of this illogical twisting of argument, then this is why it makes sense to do that. But I do think that there would be enough who would say, you know, no, he should only be pardoning, you know, African-American men who have done this, like to pardon a majority white crowd that went to this, you know, like it would be, it would be really against narrative and upstream. And that's where I think they would be like, well, I mean, like if he had done it his first day in office, maybe because they had enough they know he's going to be in office for a little while but yeah he's halfway through almost halfway through at this point we can all kind of tell things are not right we do not expect him to run again if he were to uh pardon all of january six prisoners which of course i wish he would uh he would probably just get well it's time for biden to retire we we didn't really want him here anyways and how do you get from the worst attack on our nation's democracy since the civil war to i'm just going to pardon everybody. it's covid you, you, i mean we got to acknowledge that covid caused massive strain and stress on people's psychology it's not just shutting down what happened as a result of covid and the response to covid but the covid virus when i had it i was angry man and i was stressed out and i tim and me got into it one day we we're yelling like it, it, it causes people to feel like crap and to get mad. And so many people went nuts over the last two and a half years. Like pardon all those people that were smashing up buildings in the summer of 2020. Pardon them. Pardon Hillary Clinton. Pardon James Clapper for lying under oath. Pardon the people that are sitting no, in solitary. No. <laughs> we need to, we need to scrub clean the last 200 years of insanity like, that we've declared on ourselves. The slaveholders, pardon them all, man. Pardon all the runaway slaves. Pardon them all. Ian, like, when Just do you pardon stop literally this, everybody. Though? Just, like, fresh like, start, everyone. You're that's right. You, you snap your fingers like Thanos. Would you keep pardoning people after that, though? Like, I, I understand the instinct to want to be like, let's just start over. But I think that, like, the memories of everything that's happened runs too deep. You wouldn't actually give people a sense of justice or satisfaction. It would just be like, we're making the score zero, except we all secretly know it's not zero. I don't think Abe Lincoln thought he was doing, like, what was politically correct when he freed the slaves he just knew it had to happen he said he no, if, no, anything no, no. to keep the union together he wouldn't have pardoned the slaves if he could have kept the union together he did not yeah. it wasn't about morality for him it was about preserving the sovereignty of the nation and and, the economy, economy, and, and it was also about destabilizing the south because the emancipation proclamation was basically saying to all of the slaves which were in southern states because the north states were free rise up against the the the, the government there it was it was weaponization, if anything. I mean, I mean, look, Abraham Lincoln got in. The Civil War had technically already begun. Bleeding Kansas was going on. Several states had already seceded. And so he waited several years to yeah, actually. The free the slaves thing wasn't a civil war. It was like the civil war was going to happen anyway. And then he saw it as an opportunity to do what he thought was right. I think you're wrong. About and he that. took a bullet for it. I mean, 
what it, it wasn't it wasn't like free the slaves and then the civil war started it was like years later that they free, decided to free right, the right. slaves right right it wasn't it, so abraham you lincoln could, your argument just, that he maybe wanted more troops and he wanted southern slaves to fight on the side of the well, war it was by is, destabilization yeah, well but, it's partly about destabilization it might have been i but mean I abraham think, lincoln was was a deeply racist individual like read read the history of abraham lincoln read about liberia and and like the the letters that abraham lincoln wrote uh, but it, this shouldn't be surprising anybody. I'm not trying to impugn the honor of Abraham Lincoln. I'm just pointing out back then, like, literally everybody was racist. And so people people like to look back and base past history and morality on modern sensibilities, which is just not correct. Yeah. Right? Abraham Lincoln was, and was, was, was didn't want, did not want to be the president during the collapse of the United States. And so it was very political. I mean, the dude suspended habeas corpus up through a corridor from D.C. through Maryland to Pennsylvania, where they were just arresting people without charge and holding them indefinitely. This is not a guy who believes in freedom and doing right. It's a guy about who be- who believed in winning by any means necessary. I, I think the slavery thing was like an, a moral thing for him. No, he said, if I could have kept the union together without freeing slaves, I would have done it. I mean, he was completely dedicated to keeping the union as a nation. I think we're taught that in school that it is about slavery and it's about morality because our sensibilities have changed. And I think if you were president now, in that time, you would have behaved differently. But for Abraham Lincoln, it wasn't about slavery. And I think we're just told to turn a blind eye to that. It was about preserving the union. The economics, yeah. He wanted the money from the South. Mm-hmm. I think it's complicated. I mean, I, I, there's a really great letter Ulysses S. Grant wrote where he said that uh, the union sacrificed blood and treasure to admit these states into the union. And they swore an oath by seceding. They were in violation of their oath and effectively stealing that blood and treasure for, you know, for themselves. And so he, he wrote that, um, anyone, any man has a right to rebel against his, uh, against his government or leaders or, or authority or whatever. Just know that if you lose, you will have to live under their, you know, co- uh, command and penalty, you know, from that point forward. So it's interesting actually reading what these guys wrote about what was going on back then. It's, it's, it's truly crazy stuff. Let, let, let me jump to this next story. We'll, we'll keep the conversation going. Donald Trump warns terrible things are about to happen to the U.S. This, to me, actually is more serious than I think a lot of people probably realize on the surface. The former president said that the temperature, uh, because the temperature has to be brought down in this country, he's offering uh, any assistance to uh, the DOJ to try and calm things down. He says, if it isn't, terrible things are going to happen. Mm. I think Donald Trump realizes when you see these, the story from Axios about a guy threatening FBI agents, about a guy going to an FBI field office about, uh, I mean, just the fact that they're going after a president. It's not so much that Trump realizes he's in trouble, that they're coming after him, but people are ready to snap in this country. And the left has long been ready to snap. They've been snapping for a while. And now the right's ready to go out. When Trump says something like this, this creates in my mind an image of Trump sitting down at a desk, like dead serious, more serious than he's ever been, being like, this is bad. This is real bad. And I think when Trump notices it, it's probably worse than we even realize. I have to wonder what a Secret Service detail is telling him or the things that he might be seeing. And um, I think the left's view of this is probably like, ah, Trump's trying to save his own skin, right? Yes, he's, he's saying it's, look, hey, there's a big problem coming for us when what he means is for me. And then people have a tendency to externalize their own fears when they're really in in trouble. Like, I don't. I don't think that's what it is. I mean, I think he's talking about food shortages. I think he's talking about inflation. That it's all going to get worse. 
that things that tensions are high now, but it's going to get much worse. You, you, and, and I think that part of it's going to be Biden's already announced. Yeah, we're probably looking at some food shortages. He did that months ago. I mean, it's going to get bad. And then when you start having bread lines in America, you, you, you see, you know, I see news reports where all the food banks are now have, you know, 40, 50 percent increase in how many people are lining up for food. I mean, it, if that starts happening, then you're going to see violence. Do you think that with the richest country on the earth's ever seen, have you like you given up? Do you, have you given up? Do you feel like it's inevitably going to fall apart and then just sort of I like- think that there are forces within our government that are making it happen, that want it to happen. They are they are trying to force a civil war. What's if you if you accept the premise like I do that the left is literally trying to destroy this country. They hate it. They hate the Constitution. They hate the country as founded. They've been teaching our children for decades in school that this is a racist, evil country. If you think that, if you accept the premise that they want to destroy it, what's the quickest way to do that? The quickest way is the Civil War. And not only that, the one way to get rid of a Constitution. Yeah. So you can destroy a Civil War by eroding You can destroy a country by eroding it. The problem is when you have a Constitution, they struggle. You know, a hundred years on, they've been trying to get rid of the Second Amendment. And boy, it's just not really working out all that well because there's new advancements, new technologies. They keep kind of passing. They, they keep have to keep they have to keep trying to pass new bills. There's active resistance. If there was no Constitution, they'd have banned guns. 1850s, right, right, 1860, right? And the Civil War started. OK, nobody can have guns but us because, we're you know, but they can't. There's one way to get rid of it, and that's having a civil war. So I have to wonder if it's uh, China. As many people speculate, China is influence in this one. And recently on a Russian state TV program, the, they were talking about, the hosts were talking about a civil war is likely coming to the U.S. because the FBI raided Donald Trump. And the, one of the hosts said, the only question is, which side do we support with weapons? And I think that exemplifies the world. During the American Revolution, France came in with troops and funding. Because they knew it was basically help for them in their fight with Britain. And they knew it was going to be bad for their enemies. During the Civil War, the American Civil War, there was funding coming from external countries to the North and South because there was a bet on who was going to win. And your investments were riding on it. The CIA's funding regime changes has been doing it for decades, decades. I cannot imagine that another the other countries are not, that their versions of CIA are not doing that in the United States. They, In fact, I would guess that they are. Essentially attempting to create coups within the United States. Probably have been for decades. Yuri Bezmenov talks about like this slow, you know, change of culture is the way to get a country to change. So you don't have to blow anything up. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's the CCP. I can't blame China because they're under occupation by the CCP right now. Except for Taiwan. Except for, except for the Republic. The Republic stands in Taiwan at the moment. Republic it would be really cool if, like, you know, 50 years, we're looking back and, like, the Republic of China took back over. CCP collapses. That's the that's the path that we're on. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. You think Taiwan is eventually going to regain control I of I think the West people Taiwan? of China will revolt. They tried in 91, but the, the the CCP mowed down people in Tiananmen Square. I'll get a lot of – I probably will get people responding to me like, Ian, you've got the history all wrong because I am looking at it through an American lens of media. But I remember seeing the tank driving down the street, the guy waving his hands to be like, hey – I'm a, I'm a Chinese man. I'm sovereign. Don't you, you don't live here. Don't, you don't control me. And the tanks just like try to go around them. Then they they ran them off. I thought he was just holding the bags. Guy. I thought he was just holding bags. Yeah, like yeah. He, and then he was like waving something around, like a suitcase or bags huh. or something like that. Yep. So you but you said that you think it's in the government, like like working for the U.S. government. That people have been co-opted by external governance, enemies, foreign and domestic. Why do you think that? 
Well, I think that our government has been corrupted, especially the Biden family. I mean, you take look at all the money that's come out of China to the Biden family. It's come out of Ukraine to the Biden family. I mean, there there's serious payoffs there, and they're not the only ones. I mean, a lot of foreign money has flown uh, has has gone to the Clinton family to even the Romney family. I mean, there's a lot of corruption here, and a lot of people are protecting their financial interests and are selling out the United States. And you have that combination of, of as Yuri Bezmanov, what's his name? Bezmanov? Bezmanov, Bezmanov, whatever. He, yeah, the long march through the institutions. They have corrupted our, our educational system so that you have generation after generation increasingly hating this country increasingly feeling like oh capitalism is really the problem and so it's it's a combination of all those things it's not just a foreign enemy and it's not just domestic enemies it's a combination of everything it's have you seen that movie everything everywhere all at once yeah Yeah. i really really liked it but it kind of feels like in a sense the multiverse is collapsing on 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 us right now maybe maybe the large hadron collider needs to, to stop firing up or something but you've got 1984 brave new world fahrenheit 451 you got v for vendetta you got atlas shrugged just you name it and they are all getting mashed together all at once mm-hmm. people are commenting right now like there's not going to be a civil war it's world war three and i'm like yeah that too yeah. it's just like all happening I find it hard not to think about Sri Lanka right now because they just had insane inflation. And then their president was like, no, no, I'll step down after people stormed his home and office. And then he got on a plane and still hadn't resigned and left the country, got denied entry to Singapore and just kept going on. You know, when you line it up, it's like we also have uh, high inflation and we also have a president that or a former president that looks like he's about to be indicted. I mean, the instability is so parallel to countries that I don't think Americans are used to comparing themselves to, as, as haughty as that sounds. Uh, and, You're saying Sri Lanka yeah. is like the dry run? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think it's hard not to be like, you. I mean, the day you were just saying, like, well, Trump has a pres- has a plane he could leave on. Like, it, name on it. it's right there. I mean, we, the Sri Lankan president, because he was president at the time, took a military plane. And because he can't be uh, indicted or anything while he's a sitting president, left with it. Like, it's it sounds crazy. This is while people were storming his office, his house. People were occupying the prime minister's house. Like, it sounds crazy. But at the same time, you know, that kind of stress and chaos that high inflation brings, we are also feeling it in America. It's just on a micro level in comparison. Uh, it doesn't mean that things can't get out of hand in the same way. And we're just not used to being compared to countries that we think we are more stable than. It's that belief that it can't happen here. It can't happen here. Yeah. We think yeah. this all the time. Even though it literally is happening. Mm-hmm. It's it's happening. I mean, it's, it's fascinating to look at uh, the circumstances in Portland the various circumstances. I mean, the firebombing of the federal building, but um, worse still is when, when Aaron Danielson got shot twice in the chest by that BLM guy. So, I mean, the feds went after that dude and claimed he had it went for a gun. They ended up killing him. I'm like, that's kind of a crazy story. But you, you, you take all the street-level violence and then you, you add in the, 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 big, the big hits. The former president had his home raided by the FBI. His former senior advisor, I believe, uh, Bannon, was, 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 what was Bannon's position? He was, He's an yeah. advisor to the president. Senior, senior advisor, something like that. Yeah. Arrested, being charged. Peter Navarro, shackled. These things are, uh, you know, I, I mentioned this last week, but uh, <coughs> I, I, I'm curious your thoughts, uh, Nick. When we talk to people or when I read history about some of these other countries where civil war happened, a revolution happened, there's like always mass killings and conflict. And 
they always interview somebody who left, and Nazi Germany always being the easiest example for everybody. Why did so the, a Jewish family leaves right before the Nazis rise to power, and why? And they say something like, "We saw them dehumanizing and demonizing, and thought we better get out of here before it's too late." Then you had uh, many, even Kristallnacht, they, they, you know, the mass destruction of these Jewish businesses. People still stayed, you know, despite everything, but people still fled. When I see stuff like um, the former president being raided, when I see the FBI saying that symbols of American history are, uh, are extremism, the Betsy Ross flag, the Gonzalez flag, the Gadsden flag, they're telling you your own history is extremism. Like these are all signs that in any other country at any point, other point in history, families were already fleeing, seeking safety in other countries. It's happening now here. I have a friend who told me a story about t- talking to his niece about what she learns in school. And he said, and he said she'd never heard of the U.S. Constitution. She didn't even know what it was. He said, don't you say the Pledge of Allegiance at school anymore? And they, she said, no, we say a pledge to BLM and Antifa. We say a pledge to diversity and tolerance, inclusion, and they don't say anything about the actual constitution of the United States and how this country was founded. Is this a private school in California? It's, what is this? It's a, it's a school in California. Is it well, public, a public school? I'm not sure about that. I got to get this pledge. I want a transcript of this. I know. Pledge. I've heard of this too. This is, I want to get it. This is the most wild pledge I've you, ever heard of. No, I've, they, 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 there's been tons of stories. I think yeah. Libs of TikTok had the story oh, yeah. where the teacher was like, "We have them all pledged to the LGBT flag or whatever." It, wasn't it? It was Buddha Judge's husband. Husband, yeah. Who had a camp yeah. where they did that? That's where right. they oh, had? Wow. Yeah. Good point. So you could probably find a video of it. Yeah. Yeah, so but the other, the other thing I was going to say is, uh, you know, the the. The thing about the Trump uh, raid at Mar-a-Lago, it being so galvanizing, to me it was like I've seen this happening over and over again to private citizens in the United States. That's what my whole movie is about. And a month ago, 622 of this year, a woman called me and told me about a raid that happened at her house. This is like 19 months after January 6th. The FBI storms into her ranch. Her and her husband are asleep. It's the middle of the night. They see they have security on their gate because the both her and her husband are security people. They they you know trained in weaponry and stuff. They 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 provide security, and they see people at their gates. And she says, "This isn't a deer, honey. There, there's people out there." And all of a sudden, they just break down the gates. They come barreling down their driveway. SWAT teams, they're, you know, throwing flashbangs at them. Come out of your house with your hands up and they're screaming, where's the warrant? What, what, what are you here for? Basically, they terrorize them. They handcuff them. There's a rental property on their same ranch. They flashbang that. They said, thank God the, the person that rented there wasn't home. But they, they, they just basically handcuffed these, this couple out on their lawn pulled the vehicles around their house so that they couldn't see what they were doing and went inside for six hours and ransacked their house. And all the time they're saying, what are you here for? Where's the warrant? And they go, we'll show you when we're good and ready, whatever they said. And he finally says, what are you looking for? And he says, we have a picture of you, says this to the husband, we have a picture of you attacking a police officer on January 6th inside the building. He said, I never went in the building. Show me the picture. He says, no, we'll show it to you later. He says, I want to see the picture, and he shows him this blurry picture. He says, "That's that could be anybody. That's not me. I didn't. That's not me." 
And finally, after this is all over, they, he said, where's the warrant one last time? And they said, we left it on the couch. And they go in and they look at the warrant that's on the couch and it says they were looking for three items. A Trump beanie, a Trump gator, and a puffy black coat. Three articles of clothing. And they terrorize these people in this way. Why do they do that? What is the point of doing that? It's it it's there's no justice involved. There, you know, three articles of clothing, and fairly common items. Yeah, I mean any that's that's like, I was there. Everybody had a puffy coat and like a Trump hat on. <laughs> I mean it's like it, it, it's, it's just so generic. It could have been anyone. They specifically anyone. wanted to this go to this. An- but this another- is systematic. This is not just happening to Trump. It's happening to normal people. It's why I'm been obsessive lately. Another reason of this pardon, why I think a mass pardon is on the horizon, because it's like this black Blackstone's formula, man. It's like it's echo been echoing in my consciousness. It's better that we let a thousand guilty people go than somebody has to sit in prison that's innocent. I, I I I don't know about the you know to what extent we could do pardon because I would not agree with like you know Hunter Biden being pardoned or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I think we took a wrong turn when this country decided that we should hand off our responsibility towards personal protection to external governmental agencies. So it used to be the communities were self-policing. The local militia would take care of their local issues, and there was a duly elected sheriff and maybe a deputy. Nowadays, cities all have their own departments where they have monopolies on how to deal with with these issues. And depending on how big the city is, it gets worse and worse. For instance, in New York, where you can't have a gun, you can't defend yourself, violating the Constitution and your rights. I think maybe the issue should just ultimately go back to, you know what? If uh, we, we, you know, we need law enforcement and, and judicial judicial system for probably property crimes to deal with re- resolving those things. But in terms of, you know, any other kind of violent crime or robbery, think two-way takes care of all that stuff. Polite, armed society is a polite society. People should have their right to protect themselves. And we should restore responsibility to the greatest degree we can to the individuals. And so, you know, I'm mentioning that in terms of the pardoning of people perceived as being violent. I'm kind of like, yeah, you know what? If someone is convicted duly and it's proven they've done this beyond a reasonable doubt by a jury of their peers, by all means, you know, they've, they've gone through due process. They can be deprived of their rights and locked up. But for the most part, I'm kind of like, you know, we don't need all these cops. We don't need to be dealing with this this prison system if people were just armed like Second Amendment prescribes. Yeah. Well, you got to protect Agreed. against vigil- right. vigilantism. <laughs> you know, no, 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 it's not. It's not. Or, I understand that. someone for sure. with a gun being like, I thought they were invading my house. I didn't know. Like, that's a big problem. So. That's, why I'm, that's, that's property crimes, right? That's why we do need some kind of system. But I think duly elected law enforcement. I'm talking about we shouldn't be worried about walking down the street. No, we should have local law enforcement as the first, the first gate for sure. And that should even protect you from federal law enforcement that's gone overboard or state law enforcement that's gone overboard as your local law enforcement. And if there are none, then you have to take it on your own shoulders. That's what happened to these people that I was just talking about. They reached out to the sheriff to say, you know, these, these people, the FBI, why were you uh, allowing them to violate our rights this way? And the sheriff's job, should have been to step in and protect them, but he he wouldn't do anything. Mm. Why? Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess he was afraid. I don't know why. Did he know about it? He knew about it after the fact. 
you know, and and they asked him for help. And because uh, what happens to these people most of the time is that these these break ins happen. And I've talked to a lot of people that this happened to. The FBI comes and terrorizes them, then breaks down their door and does whatever they do, and then they just never hear from them again. Do you think it's like they, local? They're they're sitting there waiting for charges. They hire a lawyer. Charges never come. The lawyer tells them to be quiet, don't say anything, because you know we don't know what the FBI is going to do. So it just kind of puts a hush over everything, and 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 these people are just sitting there waiting for the next shoe to drop. Mm. The kind of thing where, like, if they leave the country just on a vacation, that they could get charged for as a flight right. thing. Right, is that, is you that... can't get charged for leaving. That's, that's the thing about Trump's passports too. I think it's a really weird sign because you're right; he wasn't charged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can leave. I mean. They'll say, you know, don't leave, but you, you can't tell you what to do. You can leave unless they charge you. I think they say process. sometimes, like, when you leave, it makes you look more guilty. Like, they try to scare you into not going anywhere because they can't tell you not to go. Yeah. But they say, like, well, but in court, it'll make like it'll look like you left the country on this grand conspiracy or whatever. I was going to ask you if you feel like local law enforcement, for the most part, feels like they have to see jurisdiction to the federal government. I mean, from what I know, which is very limited on how law enforcement works, often – it becomes once the federal government has, uh, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, the FBI or whatever, that once they get involved with something, they, you know, have jurisdiction. They are allowed to take the lead on whatever case they want, often to the detriment local law enforcement often feels like that hurts some of the cases they're working on. Well, it, it, it varies sheriff to sheriff, you know. The sheriff is the local law enforcement that's elected by those people, mm-hmm. and you have strong ones and you have weak ones. Do you, you know? think if we had more, like, a better understanding of federalism and, like, the individual governments of state, people would feel like they could hold their elected sheriffs accountable to opposing the the FBI? Yeah. And a lot of the people who run for sheriff run on that platform. Mm. You know, we're going to protect your Second Amendment rights. We're going to make sure that, you know, the federal government can't come in and take your weapons. But then when it happens... They They're intimidated, act. and they don't they don't do anything. Yeah. Do you think, in some ways, it's because they, you know, I just think about all the um, some of the COVID regulations and questions about like if you get uh, money through Medicare or Medicaid, you have to enforce the things the federal government has said. I wonder if it works in the same way with law enforcement. I'm they sure. aren't sure what pressure is being going to be put on them, so they just don't act at all. You know. Yeah, I'm sure it's like that. It's like the educational system too. Mm-hmm. You know, there was so much federal money tied to mask mandates and to vaccine mandates that the the school systems, in order to get that federal money, they decided that they have know, to comply. Have yeah. to comply. I mean, this is how we got the drinking age to where it is, right? right. They held the the highway funding hostage until everyone would agree to make it twenty twenty one. Yeah, they thank trip. God they did that. You know, after I had already had my <laughs> fun. <laughs> where did you grow up? North Carolina. Okay, because there were a couple. North Carolina was one of the last holdouts, I, or maybe it was South Carolina. I can't remember the story completely, but yeah. I remember it, them being like, "No problem, federalism. We love it, except we aren't going to give you any money for your highways unless you comply." I mean, they got really strict. They got Shanghai into doing exactly what the federal government wants, which I think is how, for the most part, you know, so much of this happens. I can only imagine what it's like to be a part of local law enforcement that you know, worries what kind of funding they're going to get if they say no when they already know, you know, from my understanding, most local law enforcement is understaffed anyways. Yeah. Well, Sheriff Villanova in Los Angeles County is is really one of the better ones. He's He's been doing a, a really good job at, at standing up to some of the mask nonsense mm-hmm. and all the, the federal mandates there. 
but it it just varies, you yeah. know, place to place. When you were working on your movie, was like the role of local law enforcement in the investigation? Did it come up a lot? In which? In your uh, movie on January sixth, your documentary. Well, no, because mostly what we wound up focusing on is the stories of people who, you know, were there on January 6th and who didn't really do anything wrong or violent mm-hmm. and who subsequently got visited and persecuted and some of whom are put in jail. And none of them said, I wish my local sheriff had stepped in or did they feel like their state law enforcement didn't have anything to do with well it all happened so suddenly Mm -hmm. you know these things just come at they they come at 5 30 in the morning six in the morning there's there's no warning a lot of these people never have been arrested for anything before in their lives and in that case you would expect like a phone call Mm -hmm. you would expect them to say we'd like to talk to you but instead they just bust in we do it we do have an update that actually uh came out just before we started the show so uh, apologies for not seeing this uh, sooner. This was posted by Kyle Cheney of Politico. The Trump team is publicizing this email, which shows the DOJ obtained three passports, two expired, not one, as Trump said. No, Trump said, oh, okay, Trump said one was expired, mm-hmm. and alerted Trump's lawyers. They were recovered by a filter team, which weeds out privileged info. Trump publicized this after DOJ offered them, DOJ offered them back. Oh, interesting. So yes, but I don't think that means anything, that last point. Like Donald Trump learned that they took his passports and then complained, they took my passports? <laughs> right. So the email says, Evan Jim, we have learned that the filter agent seized three passports belonging to President Trump, two expired and one being his active diplomatic passport. We are returning them and they will be ready for pickup at WFO at 2 p.m. today. I am traveling, but you can co- coordinate further with redacted copied above. Thanks. So it looks like they did take his passports and it was the the accident narrative, I suppose. And Trump was correct when he said they took them. And um, I don't know why it matters that Trump publicized it after the, after they offered them back. Mm. I mean, I feel like they're trying to say, like, he's so petty. They offered to give him back. But it's like, why <laughs> did they take them in the first place? Yeah, exactly. I don't think that that's fair. I mean, I think you'll for the rest of the week, we'll see that. A lot. Well, they offered to give it back. It's not that big a deal. But it is. It's a huge deal. Yeah. His active diplomatic passport? Are you kidding me? They just like stumbled across it. We're like, we don't know what this is, so we'll just it's take an, it with and, us. And it's active. That's can what he it says. S- as, as a former president, can he still use a diplomatic passport? I, I, I guess he can, right? Scroll down to the know. the email again. It says active in there. I think. No, it does. It does. But I'm wondering, can a former president well, use a diplomatic passport? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it, he must be able to use it. Otherwise, it wouldn't be active. Is all I can say to that. I, I think that. I like, guess right. Right. It must be privileges for a while. I mean, I don't know. I'm not as well versed in what what privileges are extended to the president. I bet it does. Office. Like, what, what is it like? If you're in Congress, you retain your security passes for life or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is that how it works? I don't know. Like but there yeah. are extensions like that. I mean, to a certain extent, he's still a political figure of the United States. I mean, he still travels quite a bit and is a representation of the country. Uh, I can only see that there's some explanation as to why they'd have it. It's oh, such an unprecedented time, you know. It's right. like he's not being treated like any former president of the United States. He's being treated like a criminal. So, yeah, I, I don't know. This is. I was just thinking, our legal system. The main purpose is to protect the innocent. That is why we built it. That's why we have it in place. It is not to find and destroy guilt or evil. It is to protect innocent people. If someone, as a byproduct of the protection of the innocent, is charged, then that's that happens. But our, it should be that way. Yes. I don't know if it's ever, if it's it, always it been. It cannot that way. function any other way. Otherwise, it becomes a self persecuting immolation. A lot of it is retribution. 
That's problem. That's a like, problem. That's when societies is, consume themselves is with retribution. There's 500 people or more in jail in D.C. right now. Most of them have innocent, not even been innocent charged. Innocent people because yeah. the, until they're proven guilty, they're innocent. Right. But they're, they're hold, they've been holding them for over 18 months. With no charges. No charges. Yeah. And one of them there, I was told by somebody, who, a friend of his, he, he's there because he saw something that happened with Roseanne Boylan, one of the women who died on January 6th. He saw what happened there. And they don't want him telling what he saw. So he can't write a letter? I don't know. I'm just yeah. telling you. But I'm if you're just in jail, reporting what I was told. Yeah. I don't know if any yeah. of this is I was true. Say if you're in prison, they're but, controlling your But, you know, it's like you, you, you start kind of trying to look for any kind of conspiracy theory, any kind of explanation for why they would hold somebody without charges for 18 months. It does, right. doesn't make any sense. There must be some reason. Well, I'm not a fan of the. Oh, I was just saying it's exactly what they say a lot of uh, law enforcement does to people of color who are uh, held on bad charges and are not fairly treated. It's, you know, uh, it what? always bothers me that there's no consistency applied. If you believe in criminal justice reform, you should believe in it for everybody. But it's just this is worth overlooking, I guess. Yeah, moral logic isn't the strong point of the of the left. I'm, I, I, this is one of the reasons I'm not a fan of the death penalty is that often people say it's just retribution. And I'm like, I don't know what is served through retribution. You know, I've seen more than enough movies, comics, anime, you name it, cartoons, where the, the, the protagonist explains revenge never makes the pain go away. It never solves the problem. I think it was a, even even Batman explained mm-hmm. it one time. So I see these stories and it's just like families. You know, I was told by someone when those families don't get the the, 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 you know, the justice of watching the person who, you know, committed the crime being put to death or whatever, I'm like, I don't know if retribution is going to solve anything for us or just an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind, you know? I think it's too much trouble. That's why I'm against the death penalty. I'm in favor of exile. I say yeah. if you get duly, you know, duly convicted, or, you know, through due process or whatever, we have a big island somewhere and we just, there you go. Like you've been excised. Like we're not going to deprive you of your life and liberty, but you've lost all privileges to the society. Well, they tried that once. And now we've got Australia. Yeah. We'll see how oh no. <laughs> no. I think I think doesn't like Norway do that? Like one of those Scandinavian countries. Got their own island. Yeah. 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 I think it's Sweden that does it. They had like a specific island, and prisoners actually at the end would beg to leave it because mm-hmm. they just they want to eventually beg to return. leave the island. Yeah, they do. Well, of course, they're in jail. Yeah, but it's also like they're allowed to roam free. Like it's not like oh, incarceration right. in America where you're like in a cell or anything like that. But I it's mean, like Tom Hanks and Castaway. Yeah, I think like, that's yeah. kind of what it ends up feeling like. I mean, in some ways, it doesn't. They feel so disconnected from the world. Uh, well, but maybe it's more more like Escape from New York because you're on an island with a bunch of other bunch of other criminals, and, and the yeah. winter comes. That must be. It's not a tropical island yeah. out there. It I don't know, but like you're saying, they would rather be in jail in a cell. I mean, I think it's that they're Swedish. so deprived from society, having been a part of it for so long i haven't read that article uh, time magazine did an article about this a, a long time ago i know we've talked about it before and i haven't read it in quite some time so i don't want to misquote it but i remember there being intervening prisoners who were like i wish i could leave i don't want to be there, here there are people in scandinavian countries who want to go to jail because the jails are so nice, Very nice yeah yeah i remember uh talking with some people i knew because i'd been over there several times and they were saying like a lot of a lot of young people talk about it just go to jail you know mm-hmm. Because it's comfortable, they take care of you, you have video games, play music, they'll get you a guitar if you want it. Man, it's just like, it's perfect. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a really bad idea. Mm. Incentivizing crime by rewarding it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to know people, I grew up in a rural area, but we did have a couple, you know, homeless people who would just come the winter, get arrested for some crime where they'd be incarcerated through the winter months because it's really cold where I grew up. And then they get released and, you know, 
for the most part they weren't in they weren't concerned about building a a a record because their lives were sort of in turmoil anyways but they got food shelter you know access to electricity during uh the most dangerous time of the year for the homeless, which is the winter. There was a that's that story. I can't remember who, what what said which jurisdiction wanted to do this, but they wanted to pay criminals. I think California is doing California. it. They, are are oh, they yeah, doing California. it, or they tried it, or what? They tried it, but I think they ended the program. I think it was just San Francisco that tried this. Yeah, point. it was like if you don't commit a crime this month, we'll give you five hundred bucks or something <laughs> like that. But if you commit a crime, <laughs> we'll stop paying you, but not forever. Like right. you could then. Like, it's like you went into, like, it's like if your parents stopped giving you an allowance for a little while, yeah. and you're like, <laughs> okay, we'll try it again. The problem with like, that is then the dude is like, I'm about to steal a $1,000 car. You know, it's a junker, but I could flip it real quick. But then I won't get that 500 bucks. But I will get a $1,000 car. Yeah. Yeah. Opportunity costs. I mean, yeah, it's like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just need to give them more money. That's what that's yeah. what. They, oh, they yeah. Just make them all millionaires. Yeah. Then, <laughs> then they'll become corporate criminals. Oh, but yeah. now with a million dollars, I'm going to set up a company that. Yeah. I think it's like idealistic. Like they want to think, oh, well, crime only stems from poverty. And if we can fix poverty, then we can stop crime. And for some people, that might be the case. You know, they're stealing because they need to. They don't have the resources to get whatever's going on. But for the most part, that's not actually most motivation for crime. And so we aren't really addressing the problem. We're doing what we want to believe will solve the problem because of our morals. But we lack the understanding. It really bothers me a lot of um, studies of you know, uh, crimes or men and women in general will exclude men who are in prison. And I feel like if we don't understand the people who are committing crimes, then we can't really say what will rehabilitate them. We go off of what people who aren't incarcerated think will fix people. I thought Charles Manson was a missed opportunity. Part of me, I really wanted to interview him before he died because he never killed anybody. He just told people, go F it up. And then they went and they killed and they were like, well, you told them you incited it, Charles. And like he was, they were all blasted out on acid at the time. And like, whether or not uh, that's what he, the story is that he told them to go f it up. Said the full, and then so they went to the what was it the the woman's house and uh, they effed it up all right. They killed like four people or something horrible. Mm. But you he went that, to prison for it. You see that Quentin? Tar- I think Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought that Hollywood. like Brad Pitt killed him. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> yeah, you would think that when the aliens watch the the movie, the stories of our people, they'll be we real so confused. confused. <laughs> what, what was it? Brad Pitt was definitely. Mm-hmm. What? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that movie. I thought great it was funny. Movie. Yeah, it was yeah. good. Yeah. Who was it? It Brad was, Pitt was a great character. Polanski's Polanski, wife. Yeah. Sharon Tate? Is that her name? Sharon Tate was Sharon there. Wasn't the she Bia- La Bianca time? house. I think she was pregnant wow. at the time. She got killed. But so, so Charles never killed anybody, but I think that, that was, you could consider that a violent crime, mm-hmm. inciting someone to go do a violent crime. But I, I need to know that. I want to hear the psychology of it. I think that the world mm-hmm. deserves to know. And no one in that group committed prime crimes because they didn't have enough money. Like, you couldn't have offered that group $500 not to commit crimes. Like, that was their whole thing. They were anti the system and they were anti the government and they had their own, you know, cultish uh, worldview. I mean, it wasn't this UBI that I think it was San Francisco offered that wouldn't have stopped this in this cadence. And that, that's why I really think that, like, we just do ourselves a disservice by trying to uh, treat people who are in prison like we sort of understand them, but also excluding them from a lot of psychological research because we're like, oh, well, it's such a strange, it's such a strange environment. It's unusual. Power dynamics are different there. But you're creating the system and that's where you're putting people who are incarcerated who then get released and it starts over again. I just thought of something funny. So like you just said, you have to pay him more money, right? Because if he's like, hey, I can steal this $1,000 laptop, I won't get the 500 bucks, but I get the laptop. It's worth more, right? And then Ian mentions an opportunity cost. And then I'm like, so they got to pay the guy more money, right? So then the city comes out and says, all right, fine. How about we give you $4,000? Because you're not going to be able to steal enough to cover that. 
And the dude goes, wow, all right. Now he's walking around with, you know, a thousand bucks a week. Some other guy goes, he's got a thousand bucks. If I rob him, I'll lose my 500. It's so fractional this, reserve. So this right. thing has got to pay him more money. <laughs> right. Eventually, everybody's just flush with cash and the money's worthless. Yeah. And then they start stealing food. Wait a second. Yeah. Stupid I mean, you've seen those interviews, no though, with, with guy, drug addicts who've moved to San Francisco because they get a stipend, right? They get the oh, money. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, that's what, they have interviews with him where he goes, you know, this one I came here and moved there from Alabama. Well, you know what that does, though? Mm-hmm. When they do the census, they get more residents, more, more seats. Mm-hmm. More constituents. And then what they were doing in Northern California was they were interning the homeless, I think it was. They were uh, putting them in camps. They couldn't leave. And then seizing their assets. Yep. Nice. They were like, you cannot support yourself. So now we're taking you. And any money you'd receive is we're in control of, which mm-hmm. is insane. I used to be like overwhelmed with compassion that I want to help everybody. That would be, I'll help them all, all of them. And then I'm like... As I'm growing and watching the universe, like some people are, I mean, we're animals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're more animal than human, you could say. I mean, humans are animals, but they're more animal than consciousness or something. I mean, we're all consciousness animals, you know, but some of these people are just like so this in the, in the carnal, you know, base right. reality <laughs> that it's impo- not impossible, but challenging to get through to them. And then I'm just watching it from afar and I'm like, well, how do you, how do you deal with that? We're going to go to Super Chats. If you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, and share the show with your friends. Head over to TimCast.com. We're going to have that members-only segment coming up uncensored at about uh, 11 p.m. And it's funny whenever people, people like mention, periodically, we have particularly uncensored episodes. <laughs> and sometimes that means like politically incorrect. Sometimes that means crazy subject matter, or we just swear a lot. But uh, that's the after-hour show at TimCast.com. And uh, again, smash that like button. Let's read some Super Chats. All right. J-A-E-U-F-M says, maybe Trump should go to Texas and seek asylum from the governor. Hmm. I, I don't think that works that way because <laughs> it's federal issues, although maybe New York or whatever. Raymond G. Uh, Stanley Jr. says, what's this Timcast Records I've been hearing about? Oh. We are launching music. We have a song coming out in about a week and a half. Week and a half. Are you going to sing a sample right now? I am not. No. <laughs> I used to sing on uh, Friday nights on Timcast IRL. Really? We're, we're, we're planning on bringing that back, actually. But uh, we'll see. We've been talking about it for a while. That's why we have this other extra area set up you never see in the back of the room. The room's pretty big. But um, with the new place that we're building, the steel frames have gone up at Freedomistan, 40 feet in the center. It's crazy. We're going to have a stage and be able to do live shows. So we'll actually be able to have like musical guests on like Friday nights or something. It's going to be, be so cool. It's going to be really amazing. We'll do a commercial and we'll be like, ladies and gentlemen, here's a band. And then everyone claps and then the camera pans over. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I hope you keep that the answer. Here's a band. Here's you a never band. Say <laughs> be like Stephen Colbert then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a nightly show. <laughs> no, we wouldn't do it like that. We would do like Friday. You know, we used to do at the end of Friday night, we would play some songs. And uh, we're, we're planning on bringing that back. And we're also looking at getting a venue in the West Virginia area so that we can actually do Friday night live. The whole event live. Ticket sales extended. This is really cool stuff. Cool. All right. No Legs, No Problem TV says, Nostalgia watching Days of Thunder. Saw Trooper Nick Searcy delivering strippers to Tom Cruise. This isn't <laughs> transporting. This is consumption. <laughs> that was my first movie. Oh, oh wow. Awesome. How long really? ago was it? 1991. Wow. 90. Maybe 90. Maybe 19. How did it change your world to get that role? You know, I just moved down there from New York. I'd been in New York for seven years doing theater, and my wife had gotten pregnant, and we moved back to North Carolina because we didn't want to have the baby in our 
fourth floor walk up mm-hmm. and uh, started auditioning for little parts there in North Carolina. And uh, went in and auditioned for Tony Scott. I remember my knees were shaking when I auditioned, and I just thought, well, I screwed that up. And then, like, a month later, they called me, and they said, yeah, you, you got that part. <laughs> One, you just auditioned once? No yeah, callbacks or anything? No callback. Wow. And so I went in. Like, the first scene I ever did was with Tom Cruise and Robert Ooh, Duvall. Awesome. Wow. That's so, so cool. Amazing. Like, wow. And it was kind of, you know, it's a nice scene. It's like I, I kind of pulled them over and set them up for this joke, and it's like I had all the lines. <laughs> Crazy. It was like my little my little movie where Tom, Tom and Robert were – extras all right <laughs> slappy mccracken says don't forget today is afghanistan independence day oh, thank right. you joe biden Oof. oh yeah i think there's a republican inquiry isn't there they're, they're pushing some they're gonna release a report to, they want to know they keep calling it a withdrawal i start calling it a surrender you guys but you're on the right track i think you know i agree with you on that but i kind of feel like is there a word we can use that's worse than surrender yeah capitulation yeah mm-hmm. uh, route yeah. but you can have a surrender and a route, route yeah. i mean Surrender makes sense, but it kind of feels like he intentionally helped the extremists with the abandoning of Bagram Air Force. I Desertion. think that's called yeah. Yeah. Uh, sedition when you help the enemy. <laughs> no, that's treason. Oh, treason. That's treason. what they call Can't that. Can you be treason impeached for treason? Oh, yeah, you can be. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering. <laughs> Curious, yeah. All right. Let's see. Aaron Cowell says, Nick loved your role in From the Earth to the Moon. Question, how was it playing Deke and being such an, uh, and being such an interesting story? That was terrific. Uh, I got to talk to Bobby Slayton, Deke's uh, widow. Deke was uh, – he was not alive at the time we shot that. But a lot of the astronauts came down. We met like Tim Scott and – I mean Dave Scott and some of the other astronauts. But uh, that was a that was a great time. We shot in Orlando, got to shoot out on Cape Canaveral and uh, got to work with I – mean, I think I met every – middle-aged white actor in hollywood at that time we were all playing astronauts i just i just remembered something because of that too um i have just secured 340 life magazines going back from to the 50s through the 70s and i went to an antique an antique shop out in west virginia and they had a few one of them was the astronauts from the moon landing and it was a life magazine with like this low-res photo printed on you know paper magazine and then i was like i definitely want to buy that there were some newspapers. There we got. I got one newspaper, Washington Times. Florida calls it for Bush. Really excited about that one. And then the woman there told me that she had a whole bunch of the Life magazines. Went back 340. It's remarkable reading 1962, like what they were talking about when the draft started for Vietnam. I got the Life magazine from that. Wow, super cool stuff. So we've got all of these boxes, like seven or eight boxes of all these magazines. We're going to sort them out by date. I just think it's fascinating. Um, and important, and I, I think we actually want to put together maybe like put I, my my, th- my thought process on it was put together a report to look at major historical moments from the lens of the modern of of their, of their current time based on what we've learned. Mm. So you know when you go back and start reading about Vietnam in these magazines, they're going to talk about how we were attacked in the Gulf of Tonkin. Now you look at the modern reporting on right. it, it's like nope. It's going to be really fascinating to see the dis- the, the differences and disparities between what they were claiming and what ended up being. You know, true or at least accepted as true. Yeah. So that's cool stuff. I'm One excited for that. Quick sidebar about from the Earth to the Moon. The coolest thing that happened was that we got invited to show one episode of the show at the White House. So they flew about six of us in, and we uh, had a screening there with Bill Clinton and Hillary. And I got to, 
I got to shake hands with Bill Clinton, which is a very interesting Hi. story, but it's long. <laughs> right on. Bad B says, Tim and crew got my mom to listen and LOL to Friday's show. Woo. Told her she should tell my sister who listens to you as well. Right on. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. Bad B says, Falcon laser book called Troy Rising should be made into that movie you want done. What movie? I don't know. Was that me? What movie that? Or you movie was that? Laser book? I don't know. Troy don't Rising. Know. <clears throat> All right. Let's grab a uh, super chat. Scott Turcott says, They Live, starring Ian, directed by Tim Pool and co. Oh, They Live too. Oh. They're still alive. <laughs> They're still, still here. Yeah. <laughs> they Live is awesome. They still you, live. You've yeah. seen it, right? Roddy Piper. Yeah. Live oh, yeah. On. yeah. Never seen it. You know what it is, though, right? No. So it's like he finds sunglasses, and when he puts them on, he can see reality. Oh, that's what these could be. We'll find the sunglasses that Rowdy used in the movie. I'll find them, and I'll be like, whoa. There's like or something. Yeah, yeah. But so like the sequels in that, the works. that picture we have on the wall of Nancy Pelosi pulling her face off, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the last panel is what the aliens looked like. Oh. So that's the joke. Uh, these youngsters. Do you know anything mm-hmm. about They Live? Are you no? So he finds <laughs> this, is such, this is such a fun thing to learn about. The, the guy that Rowdy Roddy Piper, the ex WWF wrestler, <laughs> finds he, these glasses, and when he puts them on, he sees like billboards that are normally just billboards. They say things like "obey" or mm-hmm. "submit." You oh. may see memes from time. Yeah. the money. Yeah. I I do know this reference. Yes. The, the, the money says this is your god on it. Oh. Mm-hmm. And, and then, he, like, he looks and he, and he looks at, like, one of the aliens and they look back and they're like, I think he can see us. Yeah, like, some of the people turn out to be, like, the NPCs turn out to be aliens mm-hmm. or something yeah. like that. When did this movie him. come out? This sounds like 80s? a good time. Old yeah. School. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, guys. So good. <laughs> Rowdy Roddy Piper, man. It's like a 10 minute fight the, scene where they just have punch a each other. Movie night so I can catch up on era. culture. Yeah. 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 Before but it gets too cold. After they live, you have to see Hell Comes to Frogtown. That's another great Roddy Piper. Oh, awesome. What was that one about? <laughs> Roddy Piper is the last fertile man on the face of the oh, earth, no. and the, the <laughs> earth has been inhabited by frog people. Oh, so man. he's kidnapped by Sandal Bergman and a group of Amazonian women who are trying to preserve him because his sperm can produce actual human beings instead of frog people. Oh, huh. And so, so the frog people are trying to kidnap Rodney, Roddy and kill him. What is this called? This also Hell says, comes to Frogtown. It's, it's the best. Frogtown. Okay. 1988. Tim Ro- Cast movie night double feature. Yeah. Roddy, Roddy Piper plays Sam Hell. That's his oh, name. Maybe we can do like uh, this. This is one of the reasons I want to do a venue because mm-hmm. we could do special events where we like play a movie and then comment and yeah. like, hang out. That'd be super fun. Mystery yeah. Science Theater, baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think they made a sequel. Oh, did they really? I, think so. right. I have like a strong no sequels policy, but that one sounds like sounds it might great. be worth it. I'm telling you. Jake, Alien 2 is good. Uh, Jake Riley says, wrong. Trump has said uh, has said something terrible is going to happen to this country. Don't sensationalize. You reported earlier. Trump said terrible things are going to happen if this country's temperature isn't brought down. Fair point. I do think it's comparable. Uh, like, I think it's a similar statement, but I do respect the precision in making sure you, you, you get it correct. So I, I will accept that. All right. You were right, Nick. Return to Frogtown is the sequel of Hell Comes to Frogtown. <laughs> is, he, is, is Rowdy Rowdy Thank in it? Thank you. I don't think Pipe. Oh, yeah. No, no, I don't think Rowdy's in it's it. It's not Pipe. Oh, if he's know. not in it, then he can't be in our uh, well, triple my, feature yeah. movie night. My wife dances in California with Sandal Bergman, who's the oh, cool. star of Conan the Barbarian and also Hell Comes to Frogtown and all that jazz. She was the lead dancer in all that jazz. Oh, cool. Oh, this was a good one. Eli M. says, Tim, with Crowder coming to Charleston, West Virginia, can we expect him to make an appearance? Instead of a civil war, could destabilize, destabilization be prepping us for a switch to fusion? Oil no longer matters and neither does the dollar. That's big news. Charleston is very far away. Was it four yeah, or five hours? It's six four. hours away, I thought. Four? Yeah. But Hannah Claire knows better. I think it's, 
It, well, it's probably five from where we are. Yeah. Uh, so that's not, not that. like, well, well, Crowder's not going to be that yeah, close. Yeah, so Crowder's actually coming to Baltimore, which would oh, put yes. him closer. Yeah, which would oh, put him yeah. He's Baltimore's coming through our there. range. That's yeah. right. He'll be around uh, here. Crowder. we got to have Crowder on. Yeah, no one should be able to come to West Virginia without coming to Exactly. At the very least, we got to show Crowder the studio and invite him to come down. And we got these great little cookies that say Step on Snack and Find Out that I ordered. They're really fantastic. They're 130 calories each, so they're nightmarish. Super different. But the other thing, too, is we're we're, we're reaching out. We reached out to Jimmy Dore. I'm, I'm really excited for Jimmy. He'll also be in the area, so maybe we'll be able to coordinate with uh, with him as well. Beautiful. Jimmy's human. great. Yeah, one of the best. Hey, yeah. and shout out to the guy that mentioned Fusion. Uh, they just l- released an article um, exclaiming that they have tested and confirmed ignition, which is the first time the system's putting out more energy than is going into it. Uh, although I don't think they were able to keep it on. It's, it's capturing the energy is, is the challenge. Right. It's giving off so much heat. Now they gotta figure out a way to restore, to get the heat to turn it back into electricity to keep the current going. But this is gonna, this is gonna be big. If, if they can, uh, if they can stabilize, normalize, and, you know, get fusion out there, it's gonna be nuts. It's gonna be crazy bonkers. Free energy, basically. Like, not free, but like the energy costs will become so insanely cheap that you're not even gonna notice. And uh, the climate change people probably should freak out because what will happen is there's not going to be carbon, em- carbon emissions from it, but it's th- th- this energy will ramp up production to such an insane degree. Like, fusion's legit, man. This is going to be crazy. The Bahamian Rain Man says, given her status as a moderate Democrat, would it be completely insane for either DeSantis or Trump to pick Tulsi Gabbard as their running mate or hell, even Bernie Sanders? It'd be such a reach across the aisle with an olive branch in hand. I mean, Tulsi just... Didn't she just host for Tucker Carlson? Yeah, she yeah, did. last week. Last so anything could happen. We can call her a moderate Democrat, but like you know, Tulsi's in the same camp we are here. As far as the left is concerned, she's far right. You know what I mean? As for Bernie, the World Socialist website called Bernie Sanders a nationalist capitalist. Huh. So you know, there's that. Bernie is old, though. I just want to uh, put that one on the table. He'll be like old. 83 at the next inauguration. Like maybe he doesn't. Maybe he'll just be an advisor. Yeah, he missed his opportunity to go independent in 2016 after the DNC screwed him over. He should have went independent. That was his chance. I don't think he's got no, a There's shot too much money in it for him to stay put. Mm-hmm. All right. Track, uh, Taxi says, from a John from John Tester, DMT intern, ours losing both Georgia seats in 2020 was worst case scenario. Dem strategists didn't believe reps would F up that badly. I mean, yeah, I didn't think so either. And then this gave the 50-50 to the Democrats, the tiebreaker to Kamala, and now they got the, the Inflation Reduction Act. The, the Deflation climate. Act. Can we please? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see what the, what was it, who was it, ABC said to, to Jean-Pierre or whatever? That it was like Orwellian? What is it? He's like, how can you call it the Inflation wow. Reduction Act when they're going to be spending all this money? It's, it's Orwellian. He said something like that. You mm-hmm. got to look it up because I didn't, I didn't, I, I was reading about it. What was her response? Oh, probably, huh? Yeah. yeah. What What's Orwellian? Yeah, How could exactly. you say that to me? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Orwellian. It's not Orwellian because George Orwell didn't write it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Let's grab some super chats. She's such a wild press secretary. Mm. I don't Pri- know what to make of her. Oh, I was doing a Kamala Harris voice. Mm. I'm really excited. Voice. I'm really excited for this. Prior Divine says, thank you for having the CEO of Public Square on last week. It helped me feel less alone at the edge of the mind. Available on Amazon now. Ah, ha, ha, ha. I heard that you were a culture building. I wanted to join. Um, no, we did a segment on Public Square. Have you heard of Public Square, Nick? Yeah, I would just, Lydia was telling me about yeah, it. Yeah, this very topic. What is you this strange squeaking? Hear that? 
Are we what being invaded by aliens? Aliens, probably. What is it? Did you do this? Did you bring the aliens yeah. here? Well, we're going to contact Rogan first. <laughs> what was that then? We sent him a postcard. You're just yeah, like, it's we're it's on funny. at eight. If you can Bust stop by. Is it a squeaking? Yeah. yeah. No, that was like a weird metallic thing. I don't know what that oh. was. Oh, yeah, I don't anyway, know what that was. Public Square, we did a segment about it. The segment's got 206,559 right. views. I told Michael. So uh, this is fantastic. Yeah. Um, public Square is an app where it shows you businesses that believe in American values. So if you're a business, you can sign up and say, I agree with these stated values of the platform. And then it's stuff like the Constitution is good and should be protected, things that we we agree with. And then you can go and give your money to people who don't hate you. Absolutely incredible. So when I saw that the segment about it was doing really, really well, that just makes me feel really great because it means more people are going to learn about it. And uh, we've got a bunch of restaurants and businesses around us that are on the app. So I'm like, that's where I'm going from now on. Yeah. Uh, and if and, and and if there's somewhere I have to go, like a hardware store or something, I'll ask them. Mm-hmm. We got a barbecue joint that they're on the app. Super exciting. It's West Virginia though, so this whole area is MAGA country. It's when you're traveling, that it becomes important, I yes. guess. Yeah. Hollywood needs that app, but there'd only be like two no. or three things on it. No, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, are you do, are you living in Hollywood? Hollywood sometimes, area? sometimes. Check out the app because when we, we pulled it up. There's actually yeah. a ton of businesses. Oh, cool. Now, obviously, out of the you know fifty thousand or so businesses that might be there, you might find a you know five hundred. <laughs> hey, but you'll get what you need, and you'll get yeah. it from, from good people. Something. Also, did you need fifty thousand choices anyways? Better to narrow down the pool. That's fair choice, fair point. Oh, if you guys want to watch that full episode, it's Michael Seifert. It was the guest. He's That's the CEO correct. of Public that Square. Was a good episode too. Yeah. Really fun. Yeah. All right. Let's grab some Super Chats. Let's grab some Super Chats. Angel Torres says, please get Jimmy Dore on the show. Then we can have Timmy Jimmy Power Hour from Nickelodeon. Shout out to Graphene <laughs> yeah. Ian. Uh, yeah, we, we've reached out to Jimmy before. I've been on his show before. It's really hard to get people on your show when they do their own show, you know, because he does his own show. But he's doing a comedy tour. and He'll be on the East Coast. So I reached out to him, and, 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 and it's possible. Um, I would be, I, that would be, it would be so amazing to have Jimmy on. I, it would be a really great show. You know what? When is Crowder going to Baltimore? I how, think in December. How amazing. Oh, okay. So not at the same time. Yeah. But it would be absolutely hilarious if we had Jimmy and Crowder at the same That'd time. That'd be so fun. Yeah. That'd be great. I'd be like, let's talk about what we agree on. Guys, calm down. We're agreeing. <laughs> We're agreeing on this part. It would be very loud, I feel like. Yeah. Definitely. Jack's BFF says, Tim, I dare you to put on Twitter that Biden should pardon the January 6th Americans incarcerated. I dare you. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> he dared you. He dared you. You're going to have to do it now. Let's Why go. wouldn't I do it? <laughs> because, well, I guess you'll see what will happen. He, he dared you. A, I'm phrasing it as a mass pardon of all over the place. I don't want it to seem like a political move. It's just got to be an American move. Guys are watching Sorry, Tim. But then he would have to admit Biden. that they're Americans. All January yes, 6th. And that crimes have been committed. In order Defendants. to pardon Hunter Biden, for instance, you got to at least admit that there was a well, actually, I, could you pardon someone that hasn't branch. committed any crimes? Could I just say, Hannah Claire, yes. you're pardoned? You can. Especially if they're in jail. Yeah, you can pardon them. But, like, that's okay. <laughs> so I could pardon. If he was like, I pardon everyone, that would just be like, maybe like this guy's gone completely insane. Maybe. All right, so here's what I'm writing. He's doing it. You, you can't I, dare Tim and not take it seriously. Yeah. He he's t- he's tweeting it right like, now. Honor question Why would culture? I not tweet this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Biden should pardon all January 6th defendants as an olive branch to help lower the political conflict and escalation. That's a good idea. In the U.S. I like then that. underneath, right? I was dared to do this. No, uh, I'm I mean, just like, I'm just yeah, kidding. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, that. if I literally say it on this show, why wouldn't I tweet it as well? Yeah. I, I will say the funny thing is there are people who only know me from Twitter. 
And oh, really? their view of me is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It's, the, sure. it's your Twitter profile, basically. Yeah, because You're I like, tweet nonsense half the time. Like, I usually tweet the opposite of what I'm trying to say because it flies in the face of the censors. Or like, okay, you know what? I can't mention the thing I was going to mention because we'll have to mention it on the after show. It has to do with a greyhound in France. And so if you're familiar with what that story is, oh, you yeah. understand why I'm not, but I'm doing it. But uh, this after show is going to get really bad. Oh, and it's going to include art from George Alexopoulos. Oh, of course oh, it will. Of course. Do, Thanks, you know, do you know what story this is? No. Okay. Well, I no. can't. Don't want to spoil I it. I can't wait. Oh, yeah, Can I exciting. allude to it? No. Nope. Nope. Just, nope. just the. I just want no. to give the, the no, tip no, of the no, iceberg. No, no. no. Okay. Is it about oh, a dog? Back. Yes, it's about a dog. Okay. You're going to love it. I'm just going I'm I'm, I'm to say it as professionally as possible. Oh, I, I think <laughs> no, I, I, sorry, I know what this is. All right. I know what this is. In an article published by The Lancet, we yes. have encountered the first human-to-dog transmission of yeah. monkeypox. Oh, I will leave it there. Okay, leave it there. <laughs> and I elaborate. I remember this, yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh man! I'm, no, look, I don't. It's not an issue for YouTube. It's an issue for family friendly people. Might have kids watching. We'll yeah. go to the members only and then much. talk about this because because uh, <laughs> you don't have any kids that are members only. Well, well, well it's just really it's just we, yeah. we, we we segment it in such that like people know if they turn this show on, we try to avoid yes, you know, we we try to keep it like you know, like if it was any other. Late right. night show, right. but the after hours one, it's like you know what you're getting into. Yeah, put your kids to bed. We're right. gonna go to town now. <laughs> All right, all right, all right. Cam Girl Asuna says, Tim talks about fleeing and being nonviolent, but what is the viable alternative? If this, the last best hope of freedom on earth, falls, we have nowhere to flee to and no one to defend us. I will have liberty at any cost. I'm not, I'm not advocating for fleeing the country. Um, I'm pointing out that there have been points in history where people fled the country. There have been points in history where people stayed and defended their country and won. I'm just saying we're at that point. Like, obviously, I'm not leaving, you know. But when you start seeing the previous administration be arrested, investigated, all that crazy stuff, that is like the that that happening is not a red flag. Well, it is a red flag. It's a very large 40 foot tall red flag with a sickle and a hammer on it. But it is like we're well past the point where you should be looking for red flags. Hmm. They have raised the flag up very high for everyone to clearly see at this point. No, it's not warning signs anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Now at this point, it's like we are watching them put the flag up. All right. Jesse Bear says, according to Robert Barnes, Trump had a blanket declassified order in place during his presidency. Any documents Trump, Trump took out of the White House was automatically declassified. And I'm pretty sure that's the case regardless of if he even says it. He's allowed to just take right. stuff and be like, it's not classified. I'm taking it. Can he say like, here, this isn't, this is declassified for you, but anyone else that finds that it's classified? I, I don't believe so. Okay. No. I feel like that's more like granting someone temporary security clearance, which would probably be much harder to keep track of, right? Um, from what I know about security clearances, which is minimal, but, mm. uh, you know, you would be like, oh, it's, it's okay for you to see it right now. Like it's either it's classified or it's not. Got it. Eric Boyd says, Nick, do you watch the Orville? I think you said, no, you didn't see it. I saw the detransitioning episode Tim talked about. It was about detransitioning for sure, but they thought they told a transitioning story. Fan mm-hmm. since seven days. Um, uh, no, Eric, I disagree. So I think it's a, it's a bit of a cynical view. Uh, the Orville, for those that are, aren't uh, familiar, it's Seth MacFarlane's space uh, show, kind of like Star Trek. They did an episode early on in 2017 in the second season 
where one of the one of the alien uh, you know members of, of his crew, alien officers, wants the doctor to perform a sex change operation on his baby because his baby was born female, but their planet doesn't like females. It's like ninety nine point nine 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 percent male society. So any any child born female. He describes it as if a human was born with a cleft lip, you would repair it, would you not? This is the same thing we see. And Seth MacFarlane literally says, you want to perform a sex change operation on a baby? That is unethical, immoral. You can't do that. And so what ends up happening is the child grows up. And in the later season, this this new season, which is the, the jokes are all gone. It's very serious. The child says, I'm not supposed to be this way. I want to go back to the way I was. And there's a conflict over. And then ultimately, they detransition the kid back to female. But here's the reason why I don't agree with they thought they were telling a transitioning story. The argument there is Seth MacFarlane was trying to be pro-sex change for children. Hmm. I don't think so because this, the, the later story is that females from the planet of age are smuggling females off the planet to prevent sex changes of minors. Like they're quite literally saying 17, 18, 20-year-old, whatever, adult females are being smuggled off the planet so they don't have to undergo sex changes. Like they were outright saying like, you could argue that they were saying it was wrong to force a sex change on a minor or whatever. But the story was not that they were telling people to transition. I think it was really, really good. I think um, the show episode Domino, it's like the, the ninth episode was it's an hour and 20 minutes long. It's a movie, basically. It's like a Star Wars, Star Trek kind of movie and uh, was really, really well, well made. <laughs> Now, I have some critiques, Seth, about um, <laughs> what I think you should have done with this story. No, it was really, really good. I'm, I'm really impressed. I think Orville's a fantastic show. They, uh, it, it, it's a bit wokey in some, some aspects, but I'm fine with that as long as it's like actually trying to address certain issues and explore them. So I'm a fan. I think it's great. I think Seth, Seth MacFarlane's got really awful political views, but you know, you know, he did a good job on this one. Uh, Scott Grimes is a fantastic actor. Yeah, That's he's, um, uh, uh, what's his? I, I forgot. The, I forgot the character's name. Well, this here says Lieutenant Gordon Malloy. Malloy. Ah, Malloy. Typecast as an Irishman. Mm-hmm. I just got to say though, I don't like that they have him sing and play guitar all the time because it's really out of place and takes up too much time. But like, they, that, they Seth? Have, yeah, Seth. Like, <laughs> yeah, Seth. Get you know, on Grimes, He's a great singer. Um, I'm pretty sure he does. Uh, um, the son on American Dad. Yeah. Steve. Steve. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, Steve. Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he was in Band of Brothers, and I thought he was one of the best parts of that of that movie. Huh. Highly recommend it. Eddie says just went solar last week, so of course Fusion will get cracked now. <laughs> yeah, Fusion Solar's still good though to keep you off the grid. You know what I mean? So you don't got to worry about it. But uh, man, I'm super excited for Fusion. Now it would be really great when they get miniaturized Fusion and we run our cars off of it, and then you your car runs forever, basically. Pour a little head, pour a little water in. Pour a little water. Pour a little water in your tank and then get a little fusion. I identify with that guy's feeling, Then they'll find a way to sell the water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uncontrollable (laughs) power supply is an interesting problem. I'm sure they've been considering for decades. All right. Terrence Grimes says, North Carolina here. In the beginning, I hated hearing Ian. He's grew on me so much, the show isn't complete without him. Rock on, brother. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Michael Malice told me. He said, at first I didn't understand why you had Ian on the show, but now I really get it. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know what he thinks that means. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I just, I just think yes. the, the, the simple thing is, while there's obviously like people are on the fence about Ian, some people are often saying, you know, they don't like what he's saying. People say they love what he's saying. I think one of the problems a lot of 
show's face is like I don't I don't want to make a homogenous show. You yeah. know, like we need we need somebody who uh, is 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 looking at things very very differently. Someone actually had a really great super chat last week where they said Ian often reflects the public very well in how he sees things and 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 thinks about them. Are I you, think that's great. You're the man of the people. That's it. Bring me to the top. <laughs> but this- they. But they were just basically saying you're, he's, he's got like a normie perspective on politics. Compared to you, for sure. I don't right. study this stuff before I come in, kind of on purpose. It is nice to know what we're talking about before we get into it, but I like learning about it in real time. I think that we talk about such like hot topics and hard, like you look around the world's like a powder keg in a lot of ways that I want to at least make people laugh or bring joy in some way while we're talking about this because this stuff needs to be talked about. You haven't made me laugh once. Well, you're impossible. <laughs> you're an impossible target, Nick. I know, it's true. <laughs> Got you. Derek D. says, your local sheriff and police get huge amounts of money and equipment from the feds. The last thing they're going to do is go against the federal government. Yep. Mm-hmm. That is true and correct. When people talk about the militarization of police, they're often referring to heavy federal funding and subsidizing, which puts them basically in a de facto chain of command. Mm-hmm. But they're also talking about like MRAPs and, you know, heavy armor and weapons. I don't think the issue is militarization. I don't care if a cop has armor and a rifle. I care that he's not su- like suppressing my rights. By mm-hmm. all means, you got armor and a rifle. The people got armor and rifles. Good. Somebody shows up and wants to commit a crime. I hope you can stop them. If you see a regular person, you know, driving their car and then you illegally search their car, now we've got a problem. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see. Let's, uh, we'll try and grab uh, one more here. MF says, hey, Tim, you always talk about how it's so important that we make art and culture. Well, hopefully I've done just that and need your help getting the word out. It's called Overdrive. Michael Fine, T-Y. What is that? Is that your thing? Is that what you're working on? Okay, well, there you go. Overdrive. Um, I think Cast Castle is finally coming out tomorrow. Pilot episode. Um, it is It is basically behind the scenes with, with jokes. The for, for people who are big fans of it, I'll just you know reiterate the last video we did. It's just not sustainable. To, to have the degree of editing, filming, and everything we want to do, the show was making like a thousand bucks a month, but it was costing substantially more than that. And there were people saying things like, you were making money off it, you know it. And I'm like, no, but I don't like the idea of having 125,000 subscribers and then just being like, meh, didn't make enough. So all of you fans, you, you get nothing. I was like, okay, maybe if we can convince 500 to a thousand of those subscribers to just pay 10 bucks a month as members to watch that and all our other content, we can keep the show going. And I think that's a better route to go, considering we do want to do a vlog. We do want to film fun stuff and funny stuff here. We've got to find a way to make it work. And it was just getting too expensive and we we're subsidizing it. So maybe this will work now and create a new reason for people to become members at TimCast.com. Check out the After Hours show that's coming up. And it's going to be really, really unfamily friendly. So you're being warned. <laughs> it's about a dog. Yeah. Smash the like button, subscribe to this channel, and uh, share the show with your friends. Again, TimCast.com for the members only show. Nick, do you want to shout anything out? Yep, Terror on the Prairie. Uh, go see it at uh, DailyWire.com. It's a terrific movie, Western, and I'm the title role. I'm there the terror. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's you, the terror. Horrifying. Uh, I'm Hannah Claire Brimlow. I'm a writer for TimCast.com. Encourage you guys to check it out for your news every day. Click on the read tab. You can see stuff from me and a bunch of other people. And this week, I am co-hosting Pop Culture Crisis with Ooh. Brett. So watch me hostily take over, hostily take over his show, uh, several times a week at three o'clock. It's live every day. And you can check me out on Instagram. I'm HannahClaire.B. 
Yeah, if you go to TimCast.com at 3 p.m., you will see the live player right there up top. Yeah. And then, of course, when TimCast IRL goes live, boom, right there on the front page of TimCast.com. We are exploring, um, trying to get the apps going again, so stay tuned for all that. All right. Uh, you guys follow me at iancrossland.net if you want to get through to me on social media. That's the portal, and I'll, I'll see you there. Uh, Nick? Fantastic to see you again. You look so happy, by the way. I do. Staring at me. <laughs> you look like you wanted to choke my neck or something. No, no, you no. You didn't make it I laugh. Like I just like you very much. You're just not very funny. Oh, I like you. Thank you for being honest. And it's always great to see you. Thanks again for doing Capital Punishment um, yes. and for pioneering this. Uh, CapitalPunishment.locals.com. That's where you can see it. Cool, dude. Yeah. See you later. Thank you. Guys, please don't make me go through this episode after the show tonight alone. Come join us at TimCast.com. I'm scared I'm not going to make it. You guys can follow me on Twitter and Minds.com at SourPatchLitz as well as SourPatchLitz.me. I'm just warning all of you. We are not going to mince words starting off this members only show. (laughs) We're going right for it. So thanks for hanging out and we'll see you all over at TimCast.com. Bye, guys. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.